Yeah. All right, we are live. This is Talking Preps, and uh, Gary is the man of the hour because we picked the Olympic game last week, and Gary was the only one who got it right. So I had to bring my man, Elite. Say your last name. I won't mess that up. I mentioned your first name up earlier. Aaron. We had Elite Aaron on from, from Olympic. He, he took a picture after the game, Gary, holding the picks up. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he was the guy behind that. Good for him. Yeah, so I, I thought that was cool. So, so we I, got a text. I got a text from Langston. He said, man, you are trending like crazy at Olympics. That's like, for what? <laughs> Absolutely. Let's hit the button. We'll get back. So, uh, Gary, tell us about uh, being the only one of the crew who got it right. I wish I could say it was some science behind it. Um, if I was that good, I, I would be in Vegas a lot more often, maybe have a job in Vegas. Um, but the fact of the matter is a lot of these games that are, are close, yeah. I tend to go with the – the. I, I break it down to these criteria. I say – all right, who's at home? That's one criteria I look at. Right. Who's the coaching staff? Okay. And then who is the quarterback? And based on those three things, that's how I break a tie. So, Lee, how'd you guys feel? Lee, how'd you guys feel when you saw those picks come up? Coach posted it on every locker we had. He said, take that, <laughs> he said, take that to heart. And we did. I want to wow. know, Gary, I want to get a little bit more depth into Gary's breakdown here. So you said those three things. So you gave all three things to Olympic? Well, of course, they were at home. Yeah. Uh, coaching staff, um, I rated I rated equal. Oh, uh, uh, really I, I, I really don't know the coaching he, he staff. He got a man on the show. He changed I'll tell you team. what, I was, try, I was trying to poke the bear a little bit I, right there. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know exactly who's on either staff. You know, most of the guys I know are, you know, have been in it a while, five, ten years, um, you know, who I've coached against. And I couldn't recall anybody at either school that was coaching that I knew. Uh, and then the last criteria is quarterback. And, I, you know, I've heard good things about Olympics quarterback. I know that they've been undefeated and the fact that they um, haven't gotten any or a lot of recognition for being undefeated this late in the season. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with Olympic. And that was my rationale. Well, that's a good rationale. So, Elite, Coach, Coach told everybody about it. What was the, the atmosphere? Did that pump you guys up? Because I know at Cox Mill, they kind of took us to heart, too, with, with Grice's team. Did that pump Oh, uh, it was posted on every locker, too. He's, hey, he's right. We did the same <laughs> thing, posted on every locker. Oh, well, and I got that one. <laughs> they did most definitely. He had wrote everything y'all said too. It was more like King of Somek. Um, it was a lot of stuff just like that, and we took it to heart, like I said earlier. And tell yeah. me about that game because you guys came out, you know, it came out really strong 34 21, beating a really good Audrey Kell team, scored more points than Audrey Kell than anybody that scored all year. Talk about that game and what it means for you guys because a lot of people say an Olympic haven't played a tough opponent yet, and you guys certainly passed that test. Um, the way we looked at it is we were looking at it as last year because the last three teams we played left a, left a bad taste on our mouth. Um, RG Kell, South Meg, and Myers Park, and we call it the 
kind of the revenge tour of us. Mm. So we went to that game with a, a get back mentality and the way we want to execute, knowing that we work harder than them, knowing that we're the better team and knowing that it's us against us. That's what drove us to win. Yeah, well, tell me about, you know, looking ahead to the, you know, to the playoffs, uh, likely a home playoff game you guys win on, maybe two if you guys win on Friday. Um, how far can this team go? We're going to have Dale on just a second talking about who he thinks are the best ever Olympic teams, but you guys certainly could be the one as the season plays out. We're going to go as far as we take us. I feel like no, no team can compete with us unless we beat ourselves. That's what I'm going to say. All right, cool. Well, we had a little message from Elliot and his team to Gary. Uh, they paid a little tribute, so we're going to play that. Then we'll let Dale tell us about the all-time Olympic team. Gary, you're getting free lunch at Olympic. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I know. And, and, you know, I appreciate that the guys doing that. But at the same time, they put in work. They won the game. Yeah, I didn't have absolutely. anything to do with them winning the game. They they had to go out and play. No, nah, Elite, you guys played lights out. All right, Dale, well, before we let Elite go, let's run through these best Olympic teams ever, in your opinion. Uh, what, do you, what do you say about 1970 and on that? Yeah, so first, Gary, uh, I, I felt they were close, too, unfortunately. I may be a little too close to some of the coaches at AK, so maybe I got a little, a little wrong bias hit me. But anyway, let's let's look at these teams. So what happened here, Elite, was I I mentioned to uh, Langston that this might be the best Olympic team I've seen, and uh, I threw in here the nineteen seventy team because we have to uh, you have to look at them. They're pre modern era but they did go all the way to the state championship. Uh, prior to that season, they were 9-27-2. and two. Uh, They went 9-3-1. and one. Yes, we did have ties back then. The interesting thing about ties is that, and that one is not a tie uh, recorded in regular season. It was uh, There's a tie in the playoffs, and the way that tie was broken by, was by yardage. So wow. it, if it wasn't playoffs, uh, then you ended the season with a tie uh, for that game. But because you can't do that in the playoffs, they had to determine a winner. And so they used yardage in the game. What a, what a way to say. <laughs> uh, Tell about 93. So 93, uh, everybody or most everybody here hopefully knows Scott Braswell. Scott yeah. Braswell, up until this point now, Olympics only had maybe three winning seasons. Uh, well, excuse me, up until 1990 when Braswell came. And Scott Braswell brought a winning culture to um, Olympic. And that uh, 93 team went 10 and 2, could arguably be the best team because they played maybe a little overall better competition. Uh, they lost to West Charlotte in the playoffs in a controversial game where they wanted to host the game. Where Charlotte complained, the game got moved to Memorial Stadium, and it was a blowout. Uh, so I, those previous two teams, I know a lot about them, but I didn't really see them play week to week. 2006, 2009, I saw these teams a lot. Uh, 
Coach Flowers coached the uh, 2016. Yeah. Uh, Olympic got their first, or, or Flowers got his first winning record in 2004. Uh, this team lost to Parkwood in the second round, a team coached by Barry Schufer. Yeah. Came to Olympic, and he headed that 2019. Barry Schubert's had success everywhere he's been. In a lot of places, it didn't have success before he's got there. I don't think he gets enough hours as being one of the best coaches around. That's he's, that's an aside. But Dale, how does the yeah. 2022 team compare to all the other teams, and what yeah. do they have to do to go to the top of your list? So let me say one more thing first. Right. I just want I want Elite to be able to leave with a little bit of history. So right. they lost to East Mecklenburg in the second rounds round badly. Right. Uh, the winningest coaches or the only coaches that have winning records at Olympic are Scott Braswell, Scott Stein, uh, Pete Gilchrist, and Barry Schubert. Right. So you guys can keep winning. You can put your coach into that same category. So where does this team rank? It's hard, again, to say because every team has their own powers. And right. to look at where this team uh, maybe – I think it could be the best links. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. They they, they seem to be more uh, rounded yeah. uh, and very, very good on defense. Uh, they can set a record if they win Friday night, which I think they First undefeated team ever. First undefeated team ever. Yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty sensational. So that should be some motivation. So, Elite, hearing and, all that, that you guys can be historical, perhaps the best team ever, how does that make you feel? Makes us feel like we can believe in the coaches. Um, that's the same thing Coach Thompson has been saying. He he repeats it to us every week that we're making history. Like history is being made every day, so we can't take it lightly regardless of the situation. Absolutely. Well, look, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Best of luck to you. Hopefully, we we'll get a chance to have you guys do another video. I'm not gonna pick against y'all no more. <laughs> I'm pick with y'all. We get a, get a shout out again, man. Thanks for coming on. Best of luck to you. Good luck at Liberty. Like I like I told you in the pre-show, I think you have a great experience. This. Thank y'all for having me. All right, man. Take care, sir. All right, y'all too. Alex, not not to belabor this, but modern era is kind of not talking about NCHSAA, but it's talking about football in general across all levels of football. Okay. Um, all right. I, I agree with you with what you're saying there. Gotcha. When we had the NCHW, NCHSAA, and we started merging in. The, the, yeah. the viewers can't yeah. see what you guys are talking about in the back. We're going to go to Rapid Fire. We'll be right back. Super Cam. Mooresville won their first league title since 2013. They played Lake Norman on Friday. Is this one of the best robberies around that people don't talk about very much? Uh, that people don't talk about very much? I could I could see that. Um, is it one of the best robberies around? Eh, that's debatable. Um, and, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't Joe seem Town like in Motown. He said it's debatable. Okay. Well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but neither of these teams in, like, recent history have been on, like, the state level constantly competing for state championships, have they? So, I mean, is it truly like one of like the big premier rivalries? I don't think so. Fine rival. 
Hold on, hold on. I'll step in because you know we always joke on Cam being young. This robbery is one of the most unique, and the funniest part about it is the head coach for Lake Norman was the longtime Mooresville defensive coordinator gets passed up on the job and goes and builds an empire at Lake Norman. I I think it's one of the most fascinating robberies in the fact that the coach necessarily is always going to make sure he's going to show Mooresville that I'm building a program too. I think they're a little bit, you know, down compared to where they've been. But he's had a couple of get back games in uh, past seasons, this you know, these past few years. I think it's intriguing for that. No matter what the record is, you've got a head coach and a staff that's gonna make sure they show that that program from across the bridge that hey, you made the wrong choice every single time we played. I when you go to those two schools, they both will call each other out. Yes. Yeah. This this is to me one of the best robberies that people don't talk about, Cam, because you have two two schools that are almost like next door to each other. They're longtime rivals, they're county rivals. It, it's 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 Hatfield and McCoy. I mean, it's 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 big. It's a big deal when these two teams play. And basketball, football, baseball. I mean, they sell it out. I mean, it's like standing room only. It's going to be standing room only. And you know, Lake Norman has a chance to kind of, in some ways, ruin uh, the the. The, un- the undisputed conference championship. That's mm-hmm. not the right word, but the uh, the solo conference championship the Morrisville could win on Friday. So that, that, that could be something to, to look at. All right, how big was Cox Mills win um, on, on Friday, Grice, for you guys to beat Hickory Ridge? Because Hickory Ridge has been the Cabarrus County Kings. I know you guys came back and had a real emotional win. No, it was. Um, you know, proud of the guys. And, I mean, of course, you know, that saying that, you know, lets you know how much Coach Jupiter Wilson had done over Hickory Ridge to set the standard for Cabarrus County programs. I mean, I think let's be very clear there that he set that standard in the, in our county to say this is how – this is the premier program. This is what we're going to do, and we're going to go challenge that. So, you know, all you know, all about this for our guys is letting everybody know that this was the program that we need to make sure we beat to show that we're one of the best in this county Last year, even Cox Mill being up 17-7, you know, at halftime, having this opportunity, but not being able to finish the job this year, that was important. I'm just glad our guys were able to do that and kind of finish the job this year. Yeah, I think, Go ahead, Sam. I think it was a big win. Um, Cox Mill, like you said, I think they have a little bit of something. They have a special sauce to them, the camaraderie of the coaches, the players. I think they have something that's brewing that's going to be tough to beat you know, the further and further they go into the playoffs because of that bond that they have. Mm. To be able to come back from the game, the game was getting, you know, it had a chance to get out of hand at one point in time. Yeah. And I think they had a – and they, they clawed back into this game. They Well, they got a fumble, I think, late. And then, you know, Grice's offense basically marched down the field and scored at the, uh, the last drive to go up. I mean, that's magical stuff. You have to all be on the same accord. You have, a, have a, You have to have a belief – those are how special things happen, and it can carry on through the postseason. Humongous play from Sammy Coward to give him the ball. Hold on, let's, let's give Dale his credit. We did this whole big old segment on Olympic, and one guy that was there, yes. I want to give my flowers to Dale Ross for being the guy that believes he's giving a special text <laughs> on Friday to tell me, go get him, coach. I know you got him. Let me give my flowers to Dale Ross, who was the only person on this show that votes to choose Cox Mill. Dale, thank you. You know what's funny? Like we made these picks. It's like you got to pick one team or the other. So somebody's gonna love you. Somebody. Last last night we want me to put the picks out for for this week. I'm like, nah, you don't. Need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you might not like me too much after you see this. 
That's a hit right there, Lashley. You might not like me too much. Um, all right. At the same time, Hickory Ridge has been a huge disappointment this year. Oh, they okay. have been a huge disappointment. Do you need, do you need the one shot so they can like clip you? <laughs> so they can get some motivation. Former, former, former coach. There you hey. go. There you go. Hey, they, like, uh, first of all, give credit to Grice and Coach Baker and Coach Bird. You know, they worked in sync. But something is off kilter over at Hickory Ridge this season. And I, I, I can put my finger on it, but I'm not going to call somebody out publicly. Um, but their clock management in the fourth quarter was horrible. It Who's was talking for clock management. Well, that's the whole staff. You know, if you got if you got an offensive coordinator and you tell him to slow it down and, and they're running fast or they're throwing incompletions with a big lead, then that falls on him. Um, if the head coach doesn't step in and tell him, hey, run the ball and, and chew up some clock and they don't do it, then that's on him. You know, they, they had a couple of uh, personal fouls that gave Cox Mill a couple of first downs. It it was, it wasn't Hickory Ridge like for how they played that fourth quarter. Right. Now going back to what Grice said, his guys kept playing. You know, even the announcers on the game kept saying, "Well, looks like this is going to be the last home game at Cox Mill this season." You know, and they said that from the nine-minute mark until the two-minute mark, and then at the two-minute mark, all of a sudden they were like, "Oh, we got a chance to win this game." You know, <laughs> we got a chance to win this game. You know, and you know, the kids kept playing hard in Cox Mill, but I think uh, the kids over at Hickory Ridge took their foot off the gas. There were some questionable coaching decisions, and it came back to bite them. And now, you know, they're not going to get a good seed. And, you know, for a team as talented as they are, they've had, to me, a disappointing season. Well, it would not surprise me if Jupiter gets them together for the playoffs and make a run maybe from the bottom, but we'll have to see. I got my man uh, Jalen Rain in the back, so I want to get to these last couple of questions real quick. Dale, has A.L. Brown and Concord lost its luster, or is it still the rivalry game? It's not as big as far as population or, or attendance population-wise. I'm sure it's still as big to those people involved. And the problem that uh, Cabarrus County's facing is what we have in Mecklenburg County. Population gets bigger and you got more things to do. You don't get as many of the old timers coming out. But I think it's still big, but it's not like it was back in even back uh, 15 years ago, 10, say 10 years ago, um, unfortunately. Fair enough. Uh, Cam, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say. I I don't think either of these teams have been like super relevant on the state level. Like I was kind of talking about earlier to where this is a huge rivalry, at least like Dale said, not to Pale Brown or Concord graduates and fans. I mean, used to be, you know, that was a big thing around Cape town. You go into the bell game and now it's just, it's been so one-sided. I think the last seven or eight years, A.L. Brown's won. So I, I think it has lost its luster. All right, cool. Is, is, uh, is Mike Newsom ever lost the bell? I think he lost it like the first year he was there, maybe. I, I'm not sure about okay. that. I, I want to say he may have lost the first year he was there. All right, so uh, the last question, I'm going to bring Jalen Rain in. What's up, Jalen? How you doing? You got to turn, you got to come off pause, off mute. 
While Jalen's coming off mute, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys. Oh, there he is. Now I got you. Say, <laughs> what's up, Jalen? Still can't hear you. Tell him sometimes he might have to go out and come back in. If it's if it's yeah, I don't know. Like he's hitting the mute button. It's not the sound's not coming up. Jalen, log out and come back in again. Log log out and come back in. If you can hear me. <clears throat> he's scared. He's scared. <laughs> no, nah, he ain't scared. Um, so why I said log out log out and come back in if you can hear me. <clears throat> While he's trying to figure that out, Grace, I want to ask you. Should the NCHSA Selection Sunday be live streamed and the questions be answered online? Would you like to see all of that? Yeah, I think, you know, Alex and I talk about this all the time as it pertains to transparency with the association. I do think they do a great job of, you know, providing, you know, a pretty, you know, pretty good kind of streamline of, of questions or rationale for the way they do things online. But I think you have the problem with people not really reading or going to check that. Um, I, I do think, especially with the RPI, giving an understanding of, you know, to people, because we know how people are with math, um, you know, really getting that chance to figure out on Selection Sunday, especially you talk about the last five out, first five in. And also, yeah. too, I think giving a path to people to get an understanding of, hey, I may have had a great season, but my seed sucks, or I may have, you know, played a tough schedule and it may not have went, you know, here, you know, good or bad for me. Now let me know what what can I do going forward because that's that's the whole point, right? You win yeah. enough games, you want to schedule the right teams, have enough victories to make sure you're doing what you can to make the playoffs. So I think it would be a fantastic decision and something that would be great in the aim of transparency. All right, Jalen Rayner, as a player, do you want to see the selection Sunday stream like they do? You know, March Madness. Would you want to see the picks come out live on the screen? Uh, for what? For football for on you know, Saturday when they do the picks. Would you want to see that? Um, nah. No, you don't care. You just want to. You just want to read it when we post it up there and figure out who you playing, who we beating on for next Friday, right? Yeah. Well, he knows where they're gonna be seated at. That's why. Well, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got the one seed. He over there. You know. Yeah. I always hate it on, on the selection like, day when they when they put the number one team and they all celebrate. It's like you knew you were number one. Like if you were already the best, like what are we celebrating for? Absolutely, Alex. Before we move on, what are your thoughts here? Well, the, the only thing, the only reason I'd want to see it stream live is so people could see uh, Dale drinking uh, Red Hot straight from the bottle. Uh, <laughs> I think that, that would be worth the money. Uh, other than that, I don't, I don't want to see a live stream show that tells me that I have to go against Jalen Alexander Rayner in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, that that already tells me right there that I'm going to give up a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, at least 200 passing yards, and at least 100 rushing yards. I don't want to see that on TV. I mean, <laughs> even, I, even Nick Drew's defense. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I mean, Nick Nick Drew went up against East Forsyth in 2018. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I mean they have uh, absolutely but but yeah I I don't need to see on TV that that uh Jalen Alexander Rayner is going to put up those kinds of numbers against me uh cuz it's going to happen anyway but be, beyond that beyond that no I don't think it should be live streamed because even in the name of transparency it would be a break from association practice to share member to share that information with the membership prior to it being public completely. I'm all about the transparency, but I also want to underscore what uh, Coach Grice said that it's people who choose not to read the information, and it's not our responsibility to underscore or proliferate 
the willful and wanton disregard of reading <laughs> by an educated citizenry, which is commensurate with education-based athletics. So, I'm, <laughs> so, uh, I'm, so I'm, I'm all about the transparency, but the information is there and can be read. And to keep the NCHSA's consistency of sharing information with the member schools prior to disseminating it through the media, a live stream would not be appropriate. It's like he holds he holds the jumper up when when it goes up in the air. He like holds he just, it up. He just, he just dropped cool. the mic. He just dropped the mic. I don't know what to say other than Jamie Rayner. Can you believe the season you're having, man? I mean, I, I just got to move on. Three thousand plus yards, forty five touchdowns. It's like PlayStation. I mean, tell me about this season you're having. Um, I just say it's like kind of unbelievable. It's just showing like the hard work I've been putting in throughout the off season, throughout practice, like everything is just coming full circle. Has the game slowed down for you this year? Is it like going in slow motion? Uh, I'll say so. I've, I've been focusing mostly on, like, the mental aspect, just being able to pre-read, post-read, just being more comfortable as a leader and quarterback. All right. Now, you know, down here in Charlotte, we're always talking about, you know, 704 teams and, you know, all the national rankings and all that stuff. What is the view of Charlotte teams from guys where you are? Do you kind of feel like we got something to prove? Do you feel like maybe they might be a little overrated or we're just not getting enough pub up here? Um, I feel like y'all, well, in Charlotte, y'all get a little more attention. But um, I don't focus too much on that. I focus mainly on my school and just being the best leader I can be for my team. That was a coached-up answer right there. That was <laughs> Well, no, I, I, you know, I want to know because as somebody who grew up in the three three six, play high school football myself, you know, and then now being in seven oh four, I do see some of the differences as as far as players. But you know, I think one thing that I, you know, I would like to, you know, know again, I saw you again the last year the playoff game with Huff, uh, and I think you know you guys of course fell short, but showed that hey, we got the means to really do something this year. You guys have, I feel like, have taken that next step. What are you looking forward to in the playoffs the most? I mean, is it facing a 704 school? Of course, you always want to get to that big game. But what are what, what is maybe one of the things you want to show this year with your play in the playoffs? Um, I'll just say just being a good quarterback, like just get my whole team involved, keeping everybody just like positive. Even if they make a bad play, just support them. Just back them up, everybody. You, you know, like if you keep everybody – confident and know how we play everybody everybody's ready to roll if we if we play how we play i'll say yeah, this this guy's good oh and he isn't and, and Jalen, i don't know if you've been keeping up with our mr football rankings but you know at this point you know in the season you're ranked you know one and would be one of the finalists that would come down to our final vote for for mr football can you talk about you know being you know one of the best players in the state and just kind of your, you know, how what that means to you and what that means to you to represent your community, you know, the East Forsyth as a whole. Um, I'll just say, like, I guess it just shows the work I've been putting in on and off season and just the chemistry I've built with my teammates, my receivers, O-line, just believing in me, me believing in my O-line, just becoming more comfortable with my team, my coaches, everybody just putting in that work because we have a common goal and everybody knows what that is. Sam, what are you seeing on the film in this guy? Oh, the one thing, like, natural throw of the football. You can see how it jumps off his hand. You know, like Lamar Jackson, like, when he throws the ball, it seems like it's effortless. Like, he just launches it and it goes 60 yards. This guy has that same capability. When he throws it, he has no 
extra movements. He's not like he got a big wind up. It just jumps right off his hand. Uh, probably the most dangerous thing about him, though, and they don't have to do it as much yet, is uh, his legs. I think when they start using the quarterback power game, um, doing some belly work, doing some different things off of this, see, there's counter. That's the deadly stuff that the other team's not going to be able to see. Dude, that are hard to game plan. What's that for gotta... time, Jamie? That's like a 4 1 right now. Man. I don't know, man. <laughs> I not. Don't, hey. No, <laughs> were you a running back growing up as a Christian quarterback? Were you always a quarterback? Look at that. Um, my first game ever, I played running back, and then like I'm pretty sure my my quarterback got hurt or something, and I switched to quarterback. Yeah. So you, 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 ever been caught, you ever been caught from behind in the game? Uh, yeah, last year. So I've been, working, I've been I was determined to not get caught this year. So <laughs> that's good. Not I like it. I like some what, very, very are you, you're committed, aren't you, James? Yes, sir. Where are you committed to? Arkansas State. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm happy be, for you. He, they're they're good. getting a good one. I don't think they know how good you really are. Like no. you're, you're <laughs> a special talent. I'll tell you that right no. now. This stuff. Out of all the kids that I've seen on film this year, you are the best. Um, now you may go be. It don't matter in the game show coming up, but athleticism, <laughs> football. You're the best I've seen. All right, dude. So before we let you go, you got to do the game show. So multiple choice. Uh, it's a multiple choice thing. I'll put the questions on the screen. You'll go first. Okay. Don't, don't answer the question till it's read. And then Sam will go second. There's five questions. And right. the only thing I ask of you, sir, is to beat him. Because if you all don't right. beat him, I got to look at all this chest pounding and all this macadocia. <laughs> he thinks he's the man. You know, he's been on CBS and HBO and CNN. He's Hollywood. So <clears throat> you got to, you know, you got to keep the legal. Nah, I got you. But I'm contractually obligated to play his little theme music, so I gotta find it. His little theme. Music. See why y'all? Why you always do that? He does that to me all the time. Don't I have contractually obligated to play your little right, theme I love music. Him, obligated though. Here we go, brother. I'm not MJ, just Coach Griner, but I'm the goat of the game show. All right, Alex. East Forsyth won the North Carolina 4A state title in 2018 over Scotland County. East won again in 2019 against the same team Grimsley beat in the next full season. What team was that? A, Cape Fear. B, Cardinal Gibbons. C, Charlotte Catholic. D, New Bern. All right, Jalen Rainey Alexander, let's start out with a bang. What's your answer? B. B, Cardinal Gibbons. What do you got, Samuel? Yeah, B is the answer, Cardinal Gibbons. B is the answer. We are tied. I, <laughs> I, I, I figured he would not get that answer wrong. I figured you – I mean, I figured he would not he would get it right and he would get it wrong, man. I'm not getting that wrong right there. Was you, you, said, no, B, you just said that because he said it. So, Let's you know, put that question in there for me. No, 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 not really. I put that question. I put was that Nick question. Drew a part of that? Was Nick Drew, uh, Nick Drew the defense coordinator? Then? Yes, he was. Yeah, he was. He yes, was. he was. All right, Grace, your game show, de your game show debut. Oh, don't start with saying it like that. All right, yep. So my, my, my debut here, the Charlotte 49ers played their first football game on August 31st, 2013. Which North Carolina team did the Niners beat 52-7? to Is it A, is that Chowan College? One. B, Johnson C. Smith, C, Campbell, or D, North Carolina Central? Samuel. Oof, that's a good one right there. Yeah. You know what? 2013, I'm going to go C, Campbell. C, Campbell. What do you got, Jalen? 
Uh, I say B. B. John C. Smith. The answer is Campbell. They won fifty-two to seven. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure Cam knew the answer to that question. Oh, Cam, you realize you realize who was a defensive back on that Campbell team, don't you? No, who was a defensive back? Somebody from Cardinal Gibbons, I'm sure. Who was it? Nick Drew? Nick Drew. <laughs> <laughs> Man, are you the Nick Drew historian or something? That's yeah. a guy. That's his guy. <laughs> oh my goodness, uh, Alex. Uh oh. Why do we, why do we do why do we do this? Why do we do this? Let's go out. Jalen's smiling. I love it, Jalen. Go out. Jalen's like, yeah. Rich Baby rapper has the number one rap song in America right now with It's Only Me. The baby, little baby, said a baby, Birdman, aka Brian, baby Williams. All right, Jalen, what you got? B. B. What you got, Samuel? I, I like his answer, B. Sound yeah, great. you copycat. <laughs> That's the right answer. I should have put that question second. Don't do it. that. Don't do that, Langston. See that? Langston, that's your fault. Grinder played it perfectly. That, that, that's the Grinder's playing. No, because you played dirty. That's why I do that. We need to like have you guys. Well, I don't know. No, no. I said no more rap. No more rap questions. You didn't throw one Christian music. You did it. I one had a time Christian. Music. You played uh, Pep. I had a Christian music question. That's the last time. Because <laughs> you got it right. I did take down Pep though back in the day. Don't forget that. Yeah, you got lucky that night too. All right. Uh, Grace. All right. This actor caused a major stir Monday when he announced he was coming back to DC Films to play Superman on the big screen. Who is he? A, Ben Affleck. B, Henry Cavill. C, Chris Evans. Or D, Anthony Mackie. Samuel. Wow. I'm going to go A, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. What do you got, Jalen? Uh, I think is B. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I know Ben Affleck is Batman. Ben Affleck is I know, Batman. I know he's Batman, but he he's not Batman no more. That's what threw me. All right, no, he he's coming back to play Batman too. I'm a I'm a. I saw Black Adam this weekend. Oh my god, y'all, it was really good. It was good. Despite hey, all the good despite answer. all the rotten the rotten apples or rotten tomatoes, whatever those. Oh, look at rotten apples. It's rotten. It's not rotten apples. It's rotten it's tomatoes. Rotten tomatoes, but still. All right, we we are that we are tied going to this last question, and Jalen, you get the answer first, and Alex has to read. You've seen the dance everywhere for years, but who actually made the song and video for "Teach Me How to Doogie"? Doug E. Fresh, Cali Swag District, Soldier Boy, Roscoe Roscoe Dash and Well. Wale. All right, Jalen. Teach me how to dug it. Teach, teach me how to dug it. Sure, I'm going to go. Everybody do it. You going what? C. C, Soldier Boy. Samuel, what you got? I'm going B. Dang, Samuel. <laughs> How'd you know that, Sam? Hey, got this why? <laughs> how did you oh, know yeah. that? Uh-huh. Y'all thought I threw one in. I could dug you back in the day. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, that is our generation and Jalen's generation. Don't you though. ever disrespect me, Jalen. I had to put my hand on this show. Jalen, um, if you make the final three of Mr. Football, we ask you to come back on the show. So hopefully you'll continue to play. You don't well. want hopefully that smoke. You don't want that smoke. Enjoy it, man. I love a kid who comes on the smiles, has a good time. Best of luck to you guys in your life, man. You're having a great season. Appreciate it. All right, man. Take care, sir. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Why, guys, one thing, everybody says luck. 
I do not believe in luck. So it ain't got nothing to do with luck. Remember that in the back, okay? Oh Let's find out who the Grice's Gems were this week. I'm tired of looking at you, winner. <laughs> All right, here we are, Coach. Uh, last week of the regular season coming into it, crisis gyms. We had some guys who really balled out here into week uh, 10 of the season. So let's get right to it. Uh, Keenan Flo, uh, Chambers High School. We've really highlighted a lot of great defensive players this week or this year, and he had a great one, five tackles, two uh, plus two interceptions and a big 30-14 victory over West Charlotte on Friday night. Uh, returned one of the interceptions for a touchdown. I think that's the one we see right here. Uh, Coach Christ, this guy's really turned into a baller, had a big-time game Friday. He did. I mean, you know, defense coordinator Drake Cannon and DB coach James Akers are really high on this kid. I mean, you can see why here. You know, you look at the lineage of old Chambers, DBs, he fits right into it. You know, a guy that's athletic enough to turn a defensive play into an offensive score. You know, you got a guy that really is a linchpin for that defense. And Coach Akers loves him in his D in his secondary. And I think he's a guy that we got to watch out for. Having a big time performance against a closer than expected West Charlotte game. This was actually needed a little more than I think the experts might have thought, though. But we had to give the gym. I'm here to Keelan Flow. Great job. All right, great job, uh, Keelan Flo. Uh, let's move on to the eastern part of the state. Havelock High School, Andrew Fraser. He went 19 of 32, passing 332, 330 yards, three touchdowns, and a big 45-21 victory over Northside Jacksonville. Uh, Fraser also ran 12 times for an additional 80 yards, Coach. Uh, that's a good performance from your quarterback. A big time ball out there. And I love highlighting some of these big time quarterbacks down east. I think that, you know, we used to talk about the mountains not really, you know, really producing those quarterbacks. I think the east is now showing they've got something to say as well. Again, good efficiency here. Big time performance with 330 yards and three touchdowns. You know, excited for that. I love the dual threat nature with the double digit carries and getting some productive yards. As you can see here, when something's not available, his eyes are always downfield looking for a receiver. And he had some big time yards as a result of that. Outstanding game right there from that QB1. Uh, let's move over here back to the Charlotte Metro area, uh, Mountain Island Charter High School, uh, Denasia McCowan Rivers uh, in a 39-6 victory over Winston-Salem Carver. Uh, McCowan Rivers had 14 tackles, including two uh, for a two two for a loss of a sack, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and also had a pass deflection. You know, I love highlighting these big defensive guys, and he had a great effort Friday night, Coach. Definitely. I love the versatility here. I mean, you know, he touched all of the stat charts I think you could for a defensive player. Again, all over the field with tackles there. Again, getting the TFLs that you know that Coach loves. Coach Robert Washington, you know, really is high on this kid. And again, you see the athleticism there to make a diving play. But I love it. I love that he's able to be a run stopper and do things in the pass game. So had to highlight a defensive guy. And I love it when they can check a lot of boxes. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of another guy that checks a lot of boxes, a guy that had been on our Mr. Football watch list a few times, uh, you know, DJ Scott running back up there at Leesville Road and a big 62 to 14 victory over Sanderson. Uh, he ran 18 times for 188 yards, four touchdowns, also caught four passes out of the backfield. Uh, he's one of those do it all backs that can really bruise up a team coach. Yeah, I think, you know, with, with you know, this year, them you know, having a lot of star-studded teams in the East. We talked about Gibbons, had a lot to say about Wake Forest and Rollsville. DJ Scott's still out there having a great year, you know, and I'm glad we were able to highlight him. You know, again, they've played some big-time games here. You don't pay attention to him, as we talk about. He can be Mr. Everything for Leesville Road. You know, got his stats, and I was not surprised with the high efficiency there. Um, 188 yards, of course, in that, you know, run forward Leesville Road offense. He's going to be the star. And if he gets in front of you, as you can see, boy, you better bring him down. You better bring some pain with you. Yeah, absolutely. A great performance there by DJ Scott. And finally, uh, we've got an incredible performance. So good that we had to bring him on the camera for here oh, today. Today. 
from Grice's gyms. Jaden Davis, we've talked to him a few times this year. Uh, Providence State High School uh, went 28 for 42, 470 yards, uh, three touchdowns, and a big come from behind 24-21 victory over uh, Raven Gap. And by the way, that was the 18th most passing yards by Mecklenburg County quarterback and a new school record for Providence Day. Uh, man, Coach Grice, uh, he did it all. Well, and then the thing I like to say about some of these games, you know, Jaden's had some of those games where I think he was drinking Gatorade in the middle of the fourth quarter. This one, as I always say, they needed every one of those completions, every one of those yards, and every one of those touchdowns to win this game. Those are the guys I like to highlight in Grice's gyms. And, Jaden, that's why you got the call. And, you know, we got to, you know, even though this wonderful performance that you need, we got to take a step back and go to that Charlotte Christian loss. Again, I talked about it as, as my game of the week. You guys are trying to take that next step. Of course, you highlighted and being a, the face of a national program or program looking to ascend to that category. How did you feel about that loss and kind of what, you know, what did you learn and what are you looking forward to as a result? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I took that loss kind of personal. I feel like uh, that loss poked the bear a little bit, and uh, we, we saw it displayed this past Friday night, and uh, we kind of used that as motivation through the week, and we're, hope, we're hoping to, you know, see those guys again. You know, the, the rivalry between PD and the school down the street. Um, so, yeah, we're looking forward to playing those guys again. God willing, they, they make it to the state championship like we will. Wait, 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 wait. So you said PD, and, and what was the thing you said after PD and, and uh, Charlotte Christian? It's school down the street. Yes, sir. <laughs> I love it. So, hey, talk about it. Talk about this game. So, again, we know Raven Gap, you know, has been, you know, a, a big time program. And we know, again, that, that you coming off Christian, you weren't getting a break. So, I mean, what was the mentality, kind of the game plan going into that game? And how do you feel you executed it? Yeah, for sure. You know, the mentality was, you know, this last half of the season hasn't been a break. You know, we're going to face two back to back great opponents. And we knew that this game had a lot, um, had a lot of kind of dictated the playoff seating and stuff like that. Um, we didn't want to go back to the mountains for the playoffs. So that, that was kind of the motivation. You know, nobody wants to take a four hour road trip uh, back to the mountains with no service and you know, getting ready in basketball gym and stuff like that. Uh, so that was really the motivation for us. And then just, you know, you know, knowing that, you know, no team I feel like has really stopped us. I think, you know, we've always kind of stopped ourselves with unforced turnovers and things of that sort. So just kind of searching to play our most perfect game. We know obviously no team's going to have a perfect game. Um, but the great teams don't use that as, as an excuse. You know, we're still trying to find a way um, to, to, to win the turnover battle, uh, win the special teams, win offense, and you know, win defense as well. Um, so that's kind of our search and our mentality. But I think we executed our game plan this week pretty well. Uh, we knew it was going to be a hard-fought game. A lot of credit. That was a great team uh, down at Raven Gap. And, uh, you know, really proud of the guys. So. Coach Christ, you heard that, by the way. They don't want to take a four-hour ride with no service. I get it. Hey. <laughs> Uh, but hey, Jaden, uh, we got the million dollar question for you right here. What's been going on with your recruiting? Uh, what's going on with that? Any idea when you think you'll make your announcement and commit to a college team for next year? Yeah, um, recruiting's going great. I'm really kind of ready to get it over with. I've been dealing with it for a pretty long time now. Um, so kind of looking at probably after the season or probably after the new year, um, just just really focused on the team right now and winning the state championship with my with my guys at the school and then kind of focus on my stuff later. You know, I'm a team first guy and that, that'll come first before any, you know, college decision or anything like that. So. Okay, I'm just, you know, Jade, I'm saying, you know, we got, you know, Langston in the back, you know, he's letting us know, he's trying to push, you know, if you want to come on our show and, and, and do, you know, like a little, like, recap after, I know you got to do the big ESPN, hey, I'm going here, but, you know, you can come on the show, maybe we can get you a little segment and talk about, you know, where you commit to. I'm telling you, I'm getting friends that are fans of schools that are hitting me up asking. I'm like, I just talked to them on the show, like, <laughs> I know you're not giving me the inside scoop, and I don't want it, because my friends going to hit me up, but try to come back on us, at, you know, on to talk to us after you finish, Jade, okay? Yes, sir, most definitely. All right.
All right, Coach Christ, that's it for another big-time week. Again, we're heading into the final week of the high school football season. Uh, hey, if somebody balls, how can they get the call? Oh, this last week is everything. Robbery week, big-time games. Again, reach out. If you had a big game, reach out to me at Coach J. Grice on Twitter, at Observer Preps. Reach out at Langston Wirtz Jr. Let us know. This week is everything for a lot of schools. Playoffs, you know, shuffling situations. Some teams are trying to fight to get in the playoffs. But as we say, these big-time performances, are only one can be reserved for the call. But as we do always say, if you ball, you're going to get the call. You ball, you get the call. Grace, we just had two of the best players in North Carolina on back to back. I just realized. No that. doubt. That that is no doubt about that. I just realized they're both on your list, right? On your football. Yeah, we've got them both on there. Okay. I know you're taking off this week, but I just wanted to make sure they were on there. <laughs> I still got the shuffle right. We, yeah, I'm I'm ready to go whenever. We need to hey, we need to talk tonight. We can talk tonight, but I got I got in the back. No, 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 no. Right. I got Thanks my notebook over here. We got a we got a lot we got a lot of lot, a lot of show this week. Gary, you got a chance to sit down with oh, Eric and Miles Chambers. They are the uh like I'll let you tell people who they are. Well, uh Derek and, and Miles Chambers are the son and grandson of Julius Chambers. Julius Chambers is the civil rights attorney um, who made it possible for integration in the Charlotte Mecklenburg school systems, which spread throughout the nation. And in the summer of 2020, um, Vance decided to undertake a name change. Um, its previous name, which was Vance, belonged to a, a Confederate uh, general who owned slaves. And um, so the, the school board gave um, Vance permission to change their name and they set up a committee and I was a part of that committee. Um, I nominated Julius Chambers, Chambers with the permission of Derek Chambers, his son, um, and then uh, I made the presentation of why the school should be named Julius Chambers to the school board. Um, and they took a community vote. There were other other names up. Um, Julius Chambers had overwhelming support and the school board supported it unanimously. So the first thing that came to mind was I knew that Miles Chambers was at Mallet Creek. And I thought, well, maybe Derek will take his son over to their namesake, the person they're both named after. And he said, I'm going to leave it up to my son. And his son stayed to, to uh, chose to stay at Mallet Creek. And Ooh. here's our interview. Well, it's, yeah, it's crazy. They're going to play Chambers this week with the namesakes of, uh, of uh, the Chambers. Here we go. <laughs> Many people know that, that Vance changed her name to, to Julius Chambers High School um, two years ago, and they haven't been able to put a face to it. So everybody, here's the face. Here's the son of Dr. Julius Chambers, and here's the grandson of Dr. Chambers. Now, Derek, once that process finished, the first thing I asked you was, are you going to let your son transfer to your name? So what were y'all's feelings? Both of you answered the question. What were your feelings about having a, a school named after your father, your grandfather, but at the same time going to the rival school? 
I'll let him answer the first. Go ahead. Oh, you want me to answer? Uh, it was a first thing. It's, it 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 was a great honor, uh, and it is still a great honor that uh, Julius Chambers High School, uh, the naming of Julius Chambers High School. Um, but everything came down to his decision on if he wanted to transfer over to uh, Julius Chambers. Um, one thing that we've always uh, let our kids make decisions on their own, which will be best for their future, as long as they talked it over with us. Uh, at the end of the day, we made the right decision by staying where he is. Uh, he's been in Mallet Creek since uh, the ninth grade. He's always played on uh, the JV and the varsity football team. And uh, uh, you, you can't take that away from him and putting him into a, a pressure situation. And you know what I mean by that, Gary. You grew up with me here in Charlotte. You know that it's always pressure. Uh, and that's one added pressure that he really didn't need. Uh, and then sometimes it's best that you make a name for yourself without having, I mean, you know, it's a great honor to have his grandfather, but let him make a name for himself. And I, I think he's he's come a long ways and made some strides. And he can answer that now. Yeah, like, I'm taking up from what my dad said. It's an honor for the school to be named after my grandfather and everything. But it's like how my dad said, I've been there for four I've been there since ninth grade. I didn't want to, you know, Leave the people who I've been playing with since my freshman year. Those are my brothers. I don't want to like betray them or anything, and go to ch chambers and stuff. So I like I'm enjoying you know playing with my playing with the guys I've been with since freshman year. At what age did you recognize the significance of who your father was? And then same to you, Miles, at what age did you recognize the significance of your grandfather? I I realized how significant my grandfather was back in, I mean, my father was back in elementary school. Um, I guess I was five or six, maybe seven or eight years old. I, I uh, And when the, when they brought the Swan uh, decision down at that time, I had an understanding but as I've gotten older and, and, and everything, you know, you really, I really realized how much he really affected and touched everyone's lives, not just in North Carolina or Charlotte, but throughout the country. And, you know, to this day, you know, like I say to you all the time, thank you for recognizing the work that he has done. So I, I, I've lived this life all my life um, since I was a child and some things I didn't understand at the time, but now, you know, as, as I've grown, I understood exactly the magnitude of what, what he did and, 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 and his sacrifices and accomplishments. I understand his importance. I say when I was like nine, 10, to be honest, cause he used to come him and my grandma used to come visit me at school and hang out with me for a little bit, eat lunch with me and stuff. So that's when I started to realize the significance of everything of my grandfather. That's that's awesome. Grace? 
No, that, that, is, that is amazing. And, I, you know, I want to look, you know, going forward, you know, Miles, of course, we got the big game. And, you know, I've you know had the pleasure of sharing a sideline with you. So I understand, you know, how hard you work. I mean, you're coming into another big game. You know, and I'd state that you had one of the biggest plays in the prior big game that you just were in. So is there any extra incentive playing Julius Chambers? You know, and I'd argue, again, if I'm watching that film as a coach on the other side, I've got to pay attention to you. You scored a defensive touchdown before. You're a guy I need to watch. So what's your mentality going into this game? Game, and how do you feel like you guys can attack them? Uh, my mentality going into this game is going to be the same against Huff. You know, dominate, do what we got to do, and get the dub for real. Dominate, do what we got to do, and get the dub for real. <laughs> gotta love it, gotta love it. Uh, Dale, you wanted to get on the one shot for one second, so before I go to Alex, I'm gonna give you the one shot. I've been drinking on this all game, all night because. <laughs> Olympics on fire. <laughs> mm. You're, uh, and I was almost out, so thanks. That's, thanks. That, that's like water with that, that toilet's gonna be on fire. That's what's gonna be on fire. I know fire. you're gonna be on fire in about <laughs> 30 minutes after the show. You're gonna be on fire. Right, <laughs> Alex, you want to make a comment? Go ahead. First off, an outstanding, outstanding work by Gary Richmond. And Jonathan Grice on that interview. And secondly, <clears throat> in terms of Dr. Chambers' grandson staying at Mallard Creek, his staying at Mallard Creek actually is a testament to the living legacy of what Dr. Chambers achieved by winning the Swan versus Mecklenburg County, Charlotte Mecklenburg Board of Education case in terms of the opportunities that it opened for students, not only via busing mechanisms, but the opportunities that it opened for all students to attend schools beyond immediate vicinities in the pursuit and achievement of uh, socioeconomic justice and increased access to opportunities. So his grandson's actions actually are living proliferation of Dr. Chambers' legacy in terms of him being at another school. And thus we see the legacy of Dr. Chambers creating opportunities for all students throughout the system living on through multiple generations. Truly a beautiful piece of work by Gary and Jonathan and a beautiful testament to the legacy of Julius Chambers. I actually grew up with Derek Chambers. He and I grew up, uh, went to school together as kids. And uh, it's, I hadn't seen him in a long time. And when Gary called and said he wanted to do an interview, I was like, yeah, man, I'd love to see Derek and to see what he's done as kids. It's kind of made me, it almost made me a little teary on Sunday, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I think about, you know, his dad and what his dad did and how much he went to the city and now they're going to go play that school, even though they're another school. That's kind of a neat little storyline. We want one, one of the things that, you know, and, and we didn't bring it up because we don't, you know, we don't want to make it a melancholy tribute, but their house was was bombed. Yes. Firebombed. His offices yeah. were firebombed. Yeah. Uh, but his Dr. Chambers went to the Supreme Court, I think, I want to say seven or eight times. And he yeah. won every single time That's he amazing. went to the Supreme Court. He was really You know, as kids, we didn't understand that. What and was we didn't on. understand yeah. it because, like you said, Langston, like you said, Langston, I was friends with Derek too. And 
And people say, you know, that's Dr. Chambers, son. And I was like, well, who is Dr. Chambers? You know? <laughs> Let me put this in perspective. He's going to be getting us burgers on Friday. You know what I mean? He was just mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me put this in perspective for everyone. The point that Gary just made about Julius Chambers' undefeated record at the Supreme Court, 1,000 winning percentage. Yeah. You realize that 1,000 winning percentage in seven or eight cases of course, we're dealing with a lot more cases with the reference I'm about to make. Thurgood Marshall was 29-3 and three at the Supreme Court. So, I mean, a lot more cases. But in terms of putting it within the context of that historical discussion, Julius Chambers' impact as a Supreme Court litigator is in that same conversation on that level. No doubt. We'll leave it there. Uh, you guys will notice the guru's not here. He's not feeling well. Chris, hope you feel better. Um, but in instead, we're going to let Grice go through the top 10 rankings. These are Chris's rankings. Grice is going through them. So you can send Grice, Chris the hate mail. Grice is going through them. I'm trying to help you. <laughs> send it to Grice, too. I'm trying to help you, Grice. <laughs> I can go ahead. Tough to bring it back to football after that, but we'll do the best we can here. We've got your 1A rankings, uh, as you can see them on the screen. Tarboro still holding the number one spot down, fresh off a of bye week, uh, finishing up with Washington County, looking to, to cap off another great season. Uh, Mount Airy last week with a big 66-0 win over Elkin. Uh, we look at Eastern Randolph there holding down the third spot uh, with a game to close against 72 Randleman. So, again, a big-time game kind of to close the year as this is rivalry week for a lot of schools. Uh, we look at Andrews uh, with a big win over Robbinsville last week and actually this week have playing number seven, Murphy. So uh, another big game as we talk about in 1A with a lot of these teams finishing up with a lot of the other uh, teams ranked high within 1A. Uh, Thomasville still at five, survived a scale at, scare against East Davidson, only winning 33-29. Uh, we look at Northmore, keeps rising and faces Chatham Central uh, to close out an undefeated season. Hard to believe, again, a team like Northmore, 9-0 and at ranked at number six there. Uh, seven, we talked with Murphy, again, narrow victory against Swain County. Swain County running that, um, you know, split back veer. It's always tough. You know, we've got a seven-point win against them. Looking to close out the year, of course, as I as I stated against Andrews. Uh, Robbinsville's at eight. Again, falling as a result of back-to-back losses to Murphy and Andrews. Still a really good team uh, at six and three. I'll look to bounce back to close the season out against Hayesville. And then finally have Northampton County and then Drawn look to, looking to complete a perfect conference season after a slip-up in non-conference. All right. Let me get up to 2A for you. I uh, hope I won't take too long. All right, here we go. All right, 2A here, 2A rankings again. Burns, you know, they've been holding down that number one spot. Been a great football team. Coach Devon's had a, a great team here. Again, big game against Shelby this week. I don't think we can underscore how major that game is this week. Same for Monroe, having a game against Forest Hills and what was probably probably one of the biggest games in Monroe in a long time with that great Forest Hills team. But Monroe holding strong at two. Uh, Reedsville as well has had a great season so far, and I think they'll look to to finish up the season strong as well. Uh, <clears throat> East Surrey, I don't think we've had a lot of change here in this first five, but the East Surrey there is four. 
thinking that they're going to finish strong again, you know, easier opponent to close out the season. Shelby, they're at five with a great chance to move up. I mean, you know, they started off 0-2, as we know, feels like ages ago as they've got a great chance to, to make that last good move in the regular season with the win potentially against Burns. Uh, East Duplin had a big 13-12 win over Wallace Rose Hill. Uh, came down to the last play, a uh, two-point conversion. Uh, East Duplin, though, was having a big season with a big win there. Uh, we look at Chase at seven, you know, Maiden at eight. We talked about Forest Hills, you know, nine and oh. I, I can't underscore how big that game is going to be. I think Monroe, that everybody's going to be, you know, <laughs> in one place in that city uh, with that big yeah. robbery game. And then finally, Wallace Rose Hill at 10. You know, again, tough program. They've only had two losses this year, a one-point loss to East Duplin and a, a, law, a narrow loss to Le- for a Leesville Road. So even at 10, Ooh. Wallace Rose Hill has shown how battle-tested they are. Yeah, it's going to be a really tough play. I mean, all these playoffs are going to be really interesting. Uh, let's talk about 3A, guys. 3A, all right. So uh, you want to go to the video on Kings Mountain. I know we've got to yeah. get to that first. Um, yeah, we, we got that. We, uh, Steve Leiter was up at Kings Mountain last week uh, covering the game against Ashbrook. He had really great stories come out in the morning. Uh, you guys in Cleveland County, check it out. Pictures, video, all things. Here's a peek. team first it's a unit we're great all around the board and we're going to continue to get better so to play on this team is a big honor we're 11 man team on offense and defense 11 men and we all a unit it's one unit and that's what we harp on as a team we cannot be beat and we won't beat ourselves working that way all right let's go to the house to the house one two three yeah i mean it's just it's just like it's just been a special group i tell you uh the kids have worked hard from the summer on, really all year. They, they did a great job in the weight room. They've done a good job this summer, and uh, and uh, it carried on in the season. And we played well each every Friday. And uh, I tell you, this Big South Conference is tough, and our, our, conference, our schedule's tough, but we played well, and I'm proud of the kids. I don't even know, but one next week, we go across town over there. 3-0 in the county, baby, number one. <laughs> all right, Grace, there you go. That Kings Mountain team's a tough one. They've withheld that win, uh, number one seed in our rankings and in, I think, everybody's rankings. Um, as he stated, uh, Coach Lloyd alluded to a big a big game against Crest to make sure that they reign supreme in Cleveland County. Uh, number two, Northern Nash, 9-0. and uh, They had a great season so far. Got a big game against Nash County against Rocky Mountain. I, I think that one's going to be a, one, of the, one of the big games that we talk about with all of these games uh, with the rivalry week. Um, 71st has had a strong season. They'll finish up uh, with a, a, a you know below average Douglas Bird team this year. They'll look to kind of go and in, end in the season strong. Uh, same for South Point. South Point's had some big games, and they'll finish up with with North Gaston as they look to continue on a winning uh, winning path as they get to the playoffs. Uh, Havelock and JH Rose are gonna gonna lock corns. I think it's gonna be probably one of the major games within 3A outside of that Kings Mountain Crest game. Um, Dudley at seven. Everybody talked earlier to Dudley and figured out what's going on. They are seven and two right now, heading into a game against Eastern Guilford. They're finishing it, you know, potentially at, at eight and two. It's not a team I want to see in the playoffs at all. Um, of course, we already alluded to Crest versus Kings Mountain. I think that's going to be a great game and has an opportunity to really shake up these rankings depending on what goes on. 
Uh, Eastern Alamance has had a good year facing um, Orange High School. I think they'll you know continue to keep on that winning path there. East Lincoln, an undefeated 9-0 East Lincoln team, looking to finish the regular season undefeated and get ready for, for playoffs. So we've got a stacked 3A list as well. As I talked about, I mean, when you have a 9-0 East Lincoln as your number 10 team, I think, Langston, that 3A, uh, 3A group there. Is right. cool. These playoffs are going to be really fun. Sam is a 3A coach, uh, you know, looking at this. How stacked do you think 3A is? And can West Charlotte play with these teams? Yeah, it's definitely a deep field. Um, you're looking at all these teams in the top 10. Um, I think we can compete with all of them. Um, if, if we play the type of football we're going to try to do, uh, the colder it gets. But it, like, you know, Grice said earlier in the year, I think it is a fight club because there's so many teams that are even, evenly matched. Um, mm -hmm. Kings Mountain is definitely top of the mountain right now, but everyone else is really fighting to see if they can compete with them. And it's very, very close. It's not a huge drop off. I mean, you're talking about 71st and you know, you can go all the way down to 25th best ranking in this 3A, and we're all very similar, I think. Yeah, I know that South Point team wants another shot at Kings Mountain. We had Will Ross on a couple weeks ago, and he gave you the pounding on the game show, and he was talking about how they wanted to get another shot at Kings Mountain. So it should be it should be a really fun uh, 3A playoff. All right, guys, let's talk about the Fight Club big boys. Uh, we had Jalen Rayner on. I have a feeling I know where his team is ranked. <laughs> Without question there. East Forsyth there at number one, uh, of course, going into a big rivalry game against West Forsyth, which doesn't have the luster that it's had in the past uh, few years. Coach Snow will be looking to, to build that team back up uh, to, to make that a, a big fight. But don't count them out. I, th I think West is going to give them a, a big run, but East Forsyth is number one. Uh, Newburn's actually one of the rare teams on a bye this week. So they they finished or completed their 10-0 regular season, awaiting their seeding to where they're going to go, um, you know, for the playoffs. Mallard Creek, we know they've had a phenomenal season so far, taking down Huff a few weeks ago, the big game against Chambers uh, this, this, this Friday. We know it's going to be for a lot of – for really for the conference. I mean, it's a, it's a de facto conference championship game with Huff, of course, saying something there. Uh, at number four, Huff with Hopewell. I think they'll cap off a, an excellent regular season with, with a good win there, but they're holding strong at four. Butler we have at five. Again, the 5-10 matchup, the Butler-Independence game is going to be a phenomenal game as well. Uh, Butler's holding strong there as they've had a great season as that, again, is another de facto conference championship game with Catholic kind of on the outside waiting for the three-way tie. Uh, we discussed Chambers. I think Chambers has been, you know, around here the entire year. Their team, again, if they're able to to, to be successful, they're gonna, you know, really can shake up that that conference race there here at the in the last week. Uh, Cardinal Gibbons is looking up to finish a phenomenal season with uh, facing Riley Sanderson this weekend as they, you know, look to finish up on a on a winning note. Uh, we have Wake Forest here again against I think it's Millbrook. Um, that's going to be an exciting game. I think that's again another with conference title implications that you know we'll see how that goes. Uh, Charlotte Catholic, you know, I think is you know, has Palisades in a rare non-conference tilt uh, as they mm. look to, to play that game and kind of get ready to to get into the playoffs. And then finally, making it up here is Independence. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. clearly we understand who they're playing. I, I think that's you know a good step up for them, and I think that's going to be an interesting uh, interesting matchup. So one thing that uh, Butler. Independence, you know, that's a huge rival game there. All right, hold on. We're, we're going to get to that. Uh, Independence. I'm just yeah, okay. number one fan, Sherry Cottle, says the Patriots are going to win on Friday. I'm not surprised, Sherry. You think Independence is going to win. All right, Sam, uh, every week we do a lineman uh, of the week in the state. And who do who we go to this week? A guy you knew pretty well. Aren't we? Yeah, this is uh, one of our own, Darian Rivers. Um, the big tackle is six foot seven, 280 pound guy that's committed to NC State. Uh, 
I think it was Tom. He's been improving every game this year. And uh, really excited to have him on Frontline Warrior representation on our show tonight. Another episode of Frontline Warrior. We have my own West Charlotte, Darian Rivers. Uh, come on in here, Rivers. What's going on, Coach? Really appreciate you joining us today. You've earned it. I've been waiting for you to be the frontline warrior. You've been moving guys against your own will or against their will, and uh, super proud of you the way you've been doing things. Uh, tell us a little bit about your commitment to NC State. What was the deciding factor to choose NC State? Um, had everything I was looking for, and down there it's like a second home for me, and. I just get a lot of love from everybody. It feels like family. And the environment is just is nice. Nowhere else I'd rather be at than there. All right. So everybody don't really believe how gigantic you are. Tell them, what is your measurables? How tall are you? Um, 6'7", 275. That's what I'm talking about. You you have the perfect frame of what they're looking for, those first-round draft picks. We were – you know, you've only been playing football a couple of years, and your progress has been great. Uh, I just think that you've really done some things this year that highlighted what you do well and to be on this frontline warrior. And uh, you can see this in some of the film right now, moving guys against their will, driving guys, planting them. When you put your hands on somebody, I think you have really strong hands, and when you use your leverage, it's special. What's your favorite thing about playing offensive line? I say um... – being aggressive, because, like, back then, well, you, you know, I, I wasn't really aggressive my sophomore year and junior year, but that's when, started, that's when everything started kicking in, like, the end of my junior year. And that's when I noticed that I have a big opportunity of playing offensive tackle. So, What's the furthest you drove somebody, you think, this year? I think you took someone 30 yards once. Yeah, I'd say, like, somewhere, like, around there. <laughs> is it better driving someone off the ball or planting them right now? Do you like to kind of, you know, move uh, a guy for 30 or do you like take them down to the ground right now? Me personally, I like driving them off the ball. I think like, that's better as an O-line guy as well. Yeah, like getting them away from the play. Like you don't have you don't have no business doing over here. Yeah, taking a couple of guys out the club, getting it done. Darian Rivers, I really appreciate you joining us today. we got a big game coming up against North Mech. You know, I need you to do the same thing you've been doing all year long, leading the O-line, and uh, playoffs coming right after that. Thanks. Yes, Appreciate you. If you ever want to be on the Frontline Warriors, please contact me at Coach Sam Griner on Twitter or Instagram. You also can contact on Instagram or Twitter at Charlotte Preps. Uh, look forward to the next guy moving men against their will. Thank you. Every week is moving men against their will. I got a question in my DMs. Anybody in North Carolina can be a frontline warrior. So you Anybody. Drop, you can drop me a DM. You can drop me a DM, Charlotte Preps. Anybody anywhere in the state. Manio, right. What do we say, guys? Manio. Right. Tell them. Manio. Murphy the Manio, baby. Murphy the Manio. Murphy the Manio. Murphy the Manio. Bear County to Cherokee County, however you want to say it. Yeah, you, you can be a frontline warrior. All right, Alex, you, you, your vocal cords warmed up? Yeah, I'm good. No, Alex. Not, not you, Alex. You ready? <laughs> yes, sir. All right. All right.
So let's look at these Big Ten games. We'll uh, focus primarily on the East here. Clayton and Cleveland. Cleveland looking for an undefeated regular season in the first po- uh, the first year post Amarion Hampton. Clayton, uh, which is led by previous Myers Park coach Scott Chadwick, has had a commendable season. Uh, this will be a formidable challenge for Clayton, but still always a great Johnston County rivalry. Hillside and Southern Alamance, Hillside undefeated, moving right ahead. Southern Alamance, uh, having gone through that uh, Alamance County juggernaut with the likes of uh, Eastern Alamance and Williams would be a formidable opponent for Hillside with a great chance to finish an undefeated season. Hagerdon, New Hanover, the battle at the beach in uh, New Hanover County, always two great rivals. And once again, uh, we mentioned Scott Braswell earlier, another program which he has built into a state championship level program down at Hoggard. Millbrook and Wake Forest, uh, another great rivalry. Millbrook got Wake Forest by three points last year in the regular season finale, which sealed the conference championship for Millbrook. Uh, Ravenscroft and North Raleigh Christian for the Big East Independent Football Championship. We've talked a lot about the Charlotte area schools that will be in the independent playoffs. So this is a little bit of Eastern flavor representative to come into the playoffs. The winner of this game goes in to the Division I NCISA playoffs. Likely will be on the road, though, but a conference championship game with two schools seven miles apart from each other. Uh, another uh, one more championship opportunity for outgoing Ravenscroft coach Ned Gannett. Over in the West, Andrews and Murphy, opportunity for Andrews, which I had that big win at Robbins, well, against Robbinsville. Andrews to break their way into what has been a Smoky Mountain Conference trifecta with Murphy, Robbinsville, and Swanson for so, so many years. This can be Andrews breaking their way into that. Um, Monroe and Forest Hills, the Battle of Union County right there. Uh, Forest Hills with a chance for an undefeated season with um, a great leadership on the defensive side of the ball. We've spoken about defensive coordinators all year, whether it's uh, Nick Drew or Dre Cannon. Frank Toms at Forest Hills done a phenomenal job with the Yellow Jackets defense and having them in a position this year. Pine Lake Prep and Community School of Davidson, the charter school rivalry. You look at the offensive and defensive prowess of both of these schools in terms of I mean, something's got to give. If both of them are limiting to under 10 points, but eclipsing 40 in the 40-50 range, each game something's going to give at this point. So great rivalry there. Shelby and Burns, the Battle of Cleveland County at the 2A level. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, Tuscola and West Henderson. Tuscola undefeated. West Henderson's had a phenomenal season. Uh, tra- great turnaround from last year. To see if they can seal the deal with the signature win over Tuscola in the mountains. So a uh, great landscape throughout the state right here. And we got two big games in Charlotte that need to be talked about. All right, it's time for The Grace is Right. All right, Mr. Grace, before we turn you loose on Independence and Butler, let's hear from the coaches. This is going to be a big-time game Friday night, so let's just get right to it. How do you feel about it? I would feel good about it. Um, you know, we feel good about every game we're going to. Like I've always stated all season long, it's based on how we prepare. But um, this is definitely one we've been waiting on without trying to look past anybody. 
Um, we felt it right after the game Friday night. Uh, we felt it yesterday when we came into the building. The kids are excited for it. And, um, it's a little something on the line this year. You know, we're playing for a conference championship, something that, you know, this school ain't done in a long time. Um, you know, we're still trying to earn a little respect from them guys down the street, man. So it's going to be a spirited deal, and um, I think we'll be ready for it. Together with Independence, it threw seven on seven one night. And Coach McFadden and I both had an opportunity to kind of address both teams. And, you know, the message we kind of gave both groups was that this is an important game, not just, you know, in terms of conference championships and things like that, but just for football in our corner of Charlotte here, down in the southeast corner, and that, you know, when we're both good and we're playing game, you know, big games or the stakes are high, it just it gets a lot more people interested. You know, ideally it gets more participation from the young kids and, you know, people start looking and seeing they want to be part of this Butler Independence game. And, you know, we just kind of get back to where it was, where, you know, we're kind of setting the pace for all the, you know, not just Charlotte schools, but for North Carolina. All right, Grace, why does Independence win this one? Yeah, I, I, first of all, I love the respect uh, from both coaches, you know, about this rivalry. I do think that great rivalry games are important. And I, I do think that, you know, they're on the money. And when Butler and Independence are both good, it's good for the city as a whole. Um, but for Independence to pull off the upset, again, we've got two great sophomore quarterbacks. And you'll see something very similar on the, similar on the other end. Uh, Justin Little's got to show why he's the best sophomore quarterback in the game. Uh, 70% completion percentage so far, 21 touchdowns. I feel like he's been used a little bit more than Zach Lawrence, um, as I feel like the games and even some of the non-conference games have allowed for, for him to play a little bit longer. So he's been able to show, and you know, maybe his yards are a little bit more than Zach's. But Chris has got to continue to show the great prowess and and, and really show, you know, the his his you know, excellent ability in Coach DJ McFadden's pass for the offense. So you know I think he, he has an opportunity to do some great things. We saw in the Catholic game he really had a a phenomenal game there, and I'm looking forward to to him being able to do the same. Uh, they got to continue to you know stay balanced on offense. You know to to kind of keep Butler guessing. I feel like you know for for defensive coordinators, one thing that always is tough for them is when teams are balanced. You really can't key on one guy. Looking at their stats, you have five guys over the 15 catch, 275 yard mark. So you're talking guys that are getting two, three catches. You know a game. That really doesn't allow you to key on somebody. And, again, that's notwithstanding uh, all-conference receiver Joe Maraglia, who's coming off a major collarbone injury earlier in the year. He's a guy that's starting to kind of get back in the flow. He's a guy look for, you know, Coach McFadden to dial some plays up to specifically get him the ball. And then, finally, they've got to keep their Western mentality. I tell you guys all the time, I've said it even when it happened, Coach McFadden can feel like he made a mistake, but I love his aggressive mentality in the Catholic game, and it's going to pay off dividends in the future for him and for that team. I said it even when he did it. It showed that he had confidence in his offense to be able to go down the field and make some big plays. He's got to keep that aggressive mentality. Forget what a lot of these pundits say. Go do that, and you'll go get that. Run the ball, DJ. Run the ball. Tell me why Butler's going to win. You better not listen to Grice. <laughs> Run that ball, DJ. Don't get it by being passive. Zach Lawrence is going to show it. He's got to show he's the best sophomore quarterback in the game. And I think the difference here is that you haven't seen, you know, Zach, ha you know, lately have that game where he's played a ton. I mean, I feel like, you know, with some of the teams in the conference, you know, he's been drinking Gatorade by the third quarter, if not sooner. So, you know, again, he's got a 70% completion percentage, 24 touchdowns itself. And I think the key here is minimizing turnovers in key situations. You go back and look at the new Hanover game, and I think a big reason why they took the loss there 
was that uh, was the turnovers. And I think you know Zach's got to make sure that he continues to manage the game and excel like he's done in the past. I know he has the ability to do it, but you know, got to make sure that that he comes and kind of brings his best, puts his best foot forward in the game. Doesn't turn the ball over, they'll be hard to beat for sure. Uh, the dominant defense has got to continue to show up. I mean, you know, look at the stats with defensive coordinator Trip Stone. Everyone brings up, you know, um, Nick Drew, you know, Drake Cannon. Trip Stone, of course, is with his time at Mallet Creek and now here at, at Butler, is doing the same thing. They've given up 80 points all year, but outside of the ones and twos when it's 60 to nothing or whatever, there have only really been 48 of those points have been meaningful to the consequence, of, you know, the consequence of a, of a win or a loss. 19 points to Catholic and 29 to, to New Hanover. So, again, he's really only given up 48 points this season of, of points where, with the first-string defense in. So it's going to be important for that defense to continue to show up. Their key guys, the Coleman brothers. You got uh, J.J. and you got Ian Coleman. J.J. has 68 tackles. Ian is leading the team with seven sacks. You've got to make sure you you find these brothers and make sure you know where they are in order for you to be successful. Of course, Taekwon Rankin of leading that secondary with 65 tackles and also has, has sacks, I think four sacks as well. That defense and, and that you know triumvirate of, of leaders there has got to be big time. I think with Butler, and I, you know, I love the mishmash of old hells with a big-time quarterback. I think he's got to establish that run and really take shots when they're there. And I know it says only, but no, it take that only out of just taking shots because they're going to be there. You've got DJ Horton and Keyshawn Peoples uh, as, as the running backs to establish that ground game. And then, you you know, you've got Currents. You've got Eli Sylvester. You've got Makai Carr, who was a crisis gem and was a big reason why they came back to be Catholic as big-time receivers uh, to get the ball to. So, you know, both of the running backs, I think, you know, Hales has normally had that one big back. Both of these backs are averaging a combined 100 yards per game. He's getting it done with that with that duo here, and I, I look forward to see, you know, them establishing that run and getting the shots to the receivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think happen in game? I expect a close game. I'm thinking about going to the game. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, do that. Do that. Do that. I don't, you know, I don't I, know. I will, I will steal if you go. You know I will. I will I, I'll, I'll let you steal. I think it's going to be a great game because Independence and Butler are always great games. <clears throat> I just uh, – It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think Butler's really – I don't even want to call them a dark horse. They, they're they a team to to be feared, and we can, we can really see if DJ has – Learn from past mistakes, which I think he has. Uh, I'm expecting a great game. I think it's cool because these two teams from 2000, or was it 2012, Alex, won like 10 state championships. I mean, they were dominant during that period. And it's mm-hmm. nice to kind of see that rivalry. It's, it's always been there, but now it means something. Again, right, Sam? It means something. Yeah. And I think Hells, I mean, he had the he, he was perfect in his speech about it. Like, it's good for, you know, the southeast part of Charlotte, when those two teams are great and the whole state recognizes those two, I think this year they both are really good. You know, it hasn't been a great rivalry late, and I think DJ's turned that around independence-wise. Still to date, you know, West Charlotte has played some really good football teams. We've played – we have five losses versus the top ten teams in 4A, and I still think independence is the most balanced team we faced offensively. I think they can throw the ball and run the ball really, really well. But the prestigiousness of Butler is t- is tough to overcome that because they've been winning so much lately. That's why they were able to overcome and take. They just know how to win. Um, they had that one slip up early, but I think they're going to be a tough team to beat. They are playing at Independence, correct? Yes. And, and Grace, Grace on here with this 
Russell Westbrook mentality. Go for it, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. No. right. Roll. Let's roll. All the way the hamstring Hey, Langston, Gary would have been daggum killing me had I ran the ball and set up for a field goal if we had missed it. Christ was being too conservative. <laughs> to win a game, no, no, somebody, no. you take them by the throat. DJ should have already had them by the throat. DJ already had them by the throat. You don't need to grab the throat again when you already got it. Exactly. You already got the ball. You're in there plus territory with the ball. You run that ball. All right, we're going to talk about the big game, uh, the biggest game in North Carolina. Four teams got me in the six teams, guys, ranked in North Carolina. Four from Charlotte, three from the same conference, and two of them are playing this weekend. And we're going to hear from the coaches from Mallet Creek and Chambers. All right, we got uh, Coach Kenny Tizzard of uh, Mallet Creek on. Um, you got Chambers this week. Uh, you're going against your old coach. What's that going to be like going against Coach Wiggins? He knows all your tricks. Uh, man, I'm, I'm sure it'll be a great time, man. Yeah. To be honest, I dread it because, uh, you know, it's a, a dude that you've been with and worked with and, you know, Wig's a, a great dude. And uh, so, you know, guys that you're your guys, you hate going against in such like critical games, uh, uh, especially, you know, what's behind the Chambers and Mallet Creek history and as far as it being a great rivalry. So uh, regardless, man, looking forward to it. You guys started out. Really rough. You played a really tough schedule, but you went down to Buford. You lost 56 to 7. Everybody's like, what's wrong with Mallet Creek? And all of a sudden, you guys just kind of slowly come along, come along, come along. Are you where you thought you would be? And did that game help you get to here? That's a great question. I think, um, I, I do think we're where we uh, want to be. You know, I think the coach in us really wants us to be even better. You know, I think we can be better, and that's what we're constantly pushing for. Um, but we definitely uh, – man, it's been a blessing just to kind of be a part of the ups and the downs because you appreciate where you're at, um, and it's been a great ride. I think the Buford game was a really good experience for us, and it exposed um, a lot of our uh, – it, it exposed us, which early in the year you want. Um, because high school is set up. It's not like college. Well, college is just getting the playoffs the last, I don't know, uh, five to seven years or so. But before that, you know, your season was was based on being perfect to be a champion, where high school is, is based on being the best at the end of the year um, with the playoffs being a separate season. So that early uh, season schedule should expose you uh, and your staff and your players to – uh, hopefully improve. Again, big win. We know this week going into the rivalry, you you know, you and I, of course, were on the other side of that rivalry last year at Mallet Creek. Can you talk about your time over there and just, you know, kind of prep, you know, preparing for this game and how does it feel? Because it's got to be kind of weird for you, I know, to be on that other side now of this rivalry. Um, it's, 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 it's weird, but at the same time, it is what it is. Um, I'm, I'm at Chambers now. I, I bleed orange and blue. Um, and we're ready to, to get, get after them on, on, on Friday. Athletes, I, I think the strength of this game is just to make sure we're running the football and playing good defense um, and, and keeping, you know, keeping the ball from being turned over. Uh, I think – and I think that – I mean, that's going to be a Mount Crease game plan as well. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play good defense. So it just comes down to whoever can make those big plays, the shot plays, what I call it, um, whether it's run or explosive plays, whether it's run or pass. Um, 
you know, whoever that may be, it might be from the slot, might be from the outside. Um, it's one of those things where you know we'll we'll present the opportunity. Whoever whoever takes advantage of it, uh, whoever takes advantage of it will will, will be that guy. Whoever takes the heads up will be the guy. All right, Grace. Let's go. Tell me why Creek wins. Ooh, this, hey, this is going to be a fun game. Uh, but, again, with Creek, I mean, it's simple. I mean, Creek's got to play like Creek. Uh, it, the, the, their path to victory isn't, you know, isn't foreign. It isn't some secret formula, some secret sauce. They've got to dominate on defense. I mean, we talk about Michael Short. Um, which we'll allude to here in a second, is one of the linebackers. you got Darren Hamilton in the secondary. Uh, Isha Ali, one of the terrors on that T-line that made Tad Hudson's life a nightmare. Um, they've got to do the same thing to Bubba Camp um, on, on each level. If he try, decides to throw the ball, you know, really get a chance to, you know, make some big plays in the secondary. Elijah McCoy, another guy in that secondary who had a key pick six uh, against Huff, he's got to show up big as well. Um, then also they got to run the ball, um, and they have a ton of different ways they, they can do it. They've got Ja'Kai Patton is the leading rusher. Tomar Bivens, to me, is that, you know, that 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 boom back. I just that second half just got when you're just tired and don't feel like tackling a guy. He's the finisher. Um, and then you've got Caleb Knight and Trey Robinson are, are dual-threat quarterbacks that, you know, Creek has no problem with bringing in and using both uh, liberally to, to be able to make some plays happen. Um, I, I know Justin Wheeler was the starting quarterback and maybe an injury concern here, but if he's in there, look for his arm uh, and for them to push the ball down the field with him. Uh, secondly, they've got to get the ball to their playmakers. I mean, you've got, you know, DJ Hamilton, who plays a lot of defense, he can come on the offense, offensive side of the ball and be successful. Benjamin Black is a, you know, is a guy that, you know, is a receiver that's great speed, guy that can catch the ball and really turn, you know, a five-yard gain or a five-yard pass into a 50-yard uh, big play. So got to get the ball to those guys and ensure that they can make, you know, get the guys with, that can make plays with the ball in their hands. And then finally, they've got to win the turnover battle. I don't think that's any secret. I don't think that they can win this game and be a, in, in the in the fashion of being a ball control offense and not win that turnover battle. We saw them against Huff dominate in that, you know, as far as those plays and really make take those turnovers into points, which was the actual difference in the game. Flip it. Yeah. So Chambers, I mean, I, I think you know their their sauce is pretty is pretty similar to. Um, you know, as we always talk about, Anshon Bubba Camp has got to show off his dual threat capability. Now, you, know, you always say he has to be – he can be Anshon during the week, but he's got to be Bubba he's on Friday night. got to be during the week. He's got to be Bubba on Friday night. So – and we saw that. I mean, you go back to the Gibbons game. You know, I, I think that, you know, defensively, Gibbons did a good job, but they just could not account for that extra guy. They could not account for, for Bubba making those great plays, and he made a ton of those. We've got to see that in this game as well, as him being able to show off that dual threat capability. Look for offensive coordinator – Donald Littlejohn Jr. to really highlight that and, and get that get him even in chances to get out in space and really utilize that dual threat capability. Um, they've got to get the ball to KC, and I'm shocked I'm having to say this, but if you go back and look at the stats and even go back and look at some games, they have not done a great job of, of specifically, you know, targeting and specifically getting that ball to him and design plays. Um, you know, I, he's he's a guy in this type of game. I want I want him to touch the ball ten to twelve times at least. Yeah. He's your best player. He's one of the best players in the state. He's got to have the ball in his hands because he is absolutely deadly when he gets the ball in his hands. You know, we talk about even the the Huff game from the regional final when he got the ball in his hands. That game, that play to me turned the tide. That bubble screen that they scored that turned the tide. Third and nine hundred. So, got to get the ball. And again, so I always give this, we should, have, we should have this on the trivia question. Who's the leader in touchdowns for, for Chambers at this point? Cause it's not KC. It's actually a running back Braylon Vincent. So they've got to, they've got to emphasize that and get him the ball. And I think that they'll be all right. 
And then finally, they've got to stop the run. I mean, at all costs. I think defensive coordinator, you know, Coach Andre Cannon knows. I mean, everyone knows kind of how Creek likes to make a living. They've got to do that and put Creek in third and long situations, really force them to throw the ball. I, I don't think that Creek can, can make a consistent living throwing the ball 20, 25 times a game. So I think that, that there needs to be a specific you know, emphasis on being diverse and in different ways to stop the run. Uh, we, you know, we've got Mr. Football. Uh, you know, list holder, semifinals, or whatever our term would be, Zarian Jackson Bass. You know, he's one of the guys anchoring that defensive line. He's got to be big. You talk about Jordan Thompson, uh, one of the linebackers, you know, group of five level player. He's got to be great. And I think, you know, as a whole, that, that front seven's got to do everything they can to stop that run. All right, Dale, break it down for me. So, well, you can't break it down better than Grice. Just oh, no, you cannot do that. No, no. Awesome job there. Um, what I wanted to comment on Langston, I went to this game maybe six, seven times in a row. And I know Gary can attest to this. And I, I don't know, Grice, you're, you're, you had a short stint there at Mallard Creek, but um, it's a huge rival game. And it's one of the biggest hit games. And by hit, I mean the physicality oh, yeah. on the field yeah. that I've attended anywhere. And it's, it's a whole nother level. It's a whole nother level. Every year, it just is like at the top level of physicality. So if if you like to see hits and you like to see players just go all out, these teams have in the past gone all out. So I'd expect this is going to be a close game, just like uh, all the others within this uh, this group of top teams. This is going to be a close game, but it's going to be, I think, a highly physical game. I, I, it's my expectation. Am I right, Grice? Oh yeah, I, I agree. I think um, this year, hopefully, both teams don't don't get a flag uh, on on the way coming out, like like both of us did last <laughs> year. But um, no, it's it's one of the most incredible robberies. I think the kids, parents, all are very close. Um, it was pretty amazing last year being a part of it course now being held always during halloween or around halloween weekend so there's always that added element of pregame spice that we always know chambers or, or creek or someone's going to add to it so it, it's really you know exploded a, as a major rivalry this time even now with conference title implications on the line i mean you can't make it any bigger than than what it is right now awesome. all right cam you go into the game you've seen both of these teams play i mean what do you think uh, is, is the difference this time I think it's going to be a defensive battle. Um, both defenses, I've got in my top four in the state. Mallard Creek probably being the top defense, Chambers around three or four. Um, wow. I, I think whichever offense can get rolling, I mean, and that's going to be tough to do, but I think whichever offense, you know, has that big play, kind of like Coach Wiggins alluded to, will probably, you know, have the advantage. Um, but I, I definitely think it'll be defense – Defensive uh, oriented, but I think Chambers will win in the end, but it'll be close. Alex, what's the Eastern's perspective here of this, of this game? Is, is this something that Eastern teams need to be watching out for, or are they just worried about their own business? I think the teams in the East, frankly, are worried about their own business. This is one of those things, just like we have this conversation. We had it earlier about the West, the same thing with 704 versus 336. There's no point in talking about any of this stuff until you get to that championship game. Jalen Alexander Rayner did a good job explaining it. We've talked about it relative to Huff. We've talked about it relative to these four games, Mallet Creek Chambers, Independence Butler. We've, we've talked about all that. 
one team's going to come out of that. The East is dealing with the same thing, whether we're talking Gibbons, whether we're talking Newburn, whether we're talking Hillside, whether we're talking Wake Forest, whomever we're talking, they've got to come out of that situation. So they're aware of it, but it's like, take care of business on the Eastern side, even to have an opportunity to be in that discussion on the last weekend of the season. Fair enough. Well, we're going to go to fresh faces right now, but after that, I'm really excited because we're going to talk Charlotte 49er football. And there's been a lot of talk on Twitter this week about Charlotte 49er football. So I can't wait to hear what Mr. Grice, Mr. Griner has to say on the backside of fresh faces. All right, here we are, Coach Grice, uh, final week of the high school football season. Uh, let's take a look at my favorite segment of the show, Fresh Faces. Uh, hey, we're going to take a look at one of your guys, man, Cox Mill High School, Sam Cower. This young man had 10 tackles, a big forced fumble, and a late in the 34-31 victory over Hickory Ridge. Uh, for the season, Cower's got 79 tackles, eight tackles for a loss, two sacks, an interception uh, for a Chargers team that has won four straight games. Man, I know you see that guy not every game, but also every day at practice. Uh, tell us about him. One of the unquestioned leaders on the team. I mean, again, a, you know, better, you know, better person, great football player. I mean, just a guy, one of those old school linebackers. I think that you, you know, you would love Guru. Like, just a guy getting, you know, box guy. But again, if he needs to get out and cover someone, he can do it as well. As you can see here, he's great with play recognition. I mean, a guy. We look at the list. He's going to watch the most film out of anybody on your team. Might watch more than a coach or two if he if he is really locked in in a week. But he's that guy that you trust to make the calls and really get everybody lined up. So I'm happy to highlight the quarterback of our defense, Sam Cower. He looks good. He looks like Bill Cower that used to dominate the linebacker yeah, at NC State family, yeah. back in the 1970s. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Good-looking good young man. All right. Uh, hey, let's let's talk about the team that you guys beat 34-31 at Hickory Ridge. Uh, Jalen Harris, this young man called, had seven catches, 216 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, you know, he plays alongside the UNC recruit Christian Hamilton, who's a top 100 prospect. Harris leads the team in receiving with 785 yards, eight touchdowns, averaging 21.8 points, 21.8 yards a catch. Uh, that's a big time numbers, coach. Oh, he's phenomenal. I, again, he's a guy, you know, they can play both sides of the ball, as you can see here, but he is a great receiver. Again, tracks the ball well, had some amazing catches. I mean, again, seeing it on the side, you know, quarterback's throwing it, Kane Haywood's throwing the spots, he's going to get that ball, and he doesn't, that ball doesn't do much, you know, much else other than reach his hands, and he's got that breakaway speed to pull away. Um, again, it was a, you know, even though I'm in the heat of the battle, watching him at times and some of the plays that he was making, I was astonished. You know, he's the leading receiver on a team with the, with the UNC commit. You know, that's something I think that's opened our eyes. He's, he's been a big play guy. So happy to highlight him. I think he's going big places and he's going to be on somebody's radar next year for sure. All right, hey, let's stay in the same conference uh, here at Lake Norman High School. Uh, this guy is the true definition of what a fresh face should be. Freshman uh, running back Moses Morris. Uh, he's run 66 times for 412 yards on the season, five touchdowns in one of the top 4A conferences in this region. Again, a freshman. This is a 14-year-old kid. You know, he's, again, a guy that I think, you know, really high on this year. I think, you know, within this offense, you know, a downhill guy, again, that can get some big-time yards, will set his foot in the ground and really get uphill. I think that, you know, young running backs struggle with that a lot of times and want to bounce and go east to west. He's a guy that's got that speed, though, if he needs to get outside. I like his game. I think, you know, again, Lake Norman's going to be in good hands with Moses. 
No kidding. And hey, let's just, I mean, you know, this has kind of been a regional show here, these fresh faces. We just kept them right here in Mecklenburg, Cabarrus, Iredell County region. Uh, let's stay here with uh, Mountain Creek High School, uh, Michael Short. This is a six foot three, 225 pound linebacker, defensive end. Uh, he's one of the stalwarts of that Mountain Creek defense. It's only given up 115 points. And let's do the math and think about that 115 points. 56 of those came against nationally yeah. ranked Buford in Georgia, and they gave up double figures against uh, Gaffney, who's also defending state 5A champions in South Carolina. Uh, this is an incredible defense and short seems to be that kind of bell cow that leads that team i mean a great size for a linebacker guru if you built a linebacker you know for a defense michael short's going to be that guy and ecu commit you know a guy that's been playing that position for two straight years uh on you know a starting at linebacker has the experience you know he's played big time competition they have not shied away from that and with great stats and, and a guy that's been successful no question why he's one of the guys we needed to highlight. He's going to be going to college to play football and one of the best linebackers in the state. But I feel with that defense, they have so many heroes, so many great players. You don't really highlight the individual guys from there. With his sideline, the sideline speed there, we had to highlight him as a guy that you got to know. All right. Uh, he's going to have a big uh, task this Friday night against Chambers. Can't wait yep. to see what he does against them. Hey, man, this is another week of uh, fresh faces. How can we get uh, your player highlighted on this show? Yep. No, reach out to Ed Observer Preps. Again, reach out to Ed Langston Works Jr., at Guru Chris Hughes, at Coach Jay Grice. You know, a lot of football players, a lot of big-time guys, you know, across the state, as we say, from Murphy to Manio. Please reach out to us. Let us know, you know, if you're a guy that, you know, you think that, you know, hasn't been highlighted and has been doing some big-time things this year, and we'd love to have you on. Uh-oh, substitute teacher time. Get in here. Get in here. That's right. What you don't do? mess with the substitute teacher. Pencils down. Sam, take, we got to take our hats off, Sam. Like, hoodies off. I want all hoodies off, Sam. Here's my phone. Here's my here's my phone. There, sorry. <laughs> yeah, turn in your phone. Welcome to another edition of Grace, since you had the big win this weekend, I'm going to let you pick. You're going to uh, receive or defer? I always want the ball. Give me the ball, man. All right, you got the ball first. Should regional football championships go back to being played at neutral sites? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's just one of those tough situations sometimes where you have a, a team with a great performance or, you know, having a great season and you get to a situation where, you know, their infrastructure for whatever, you know, CMS insert, you know, whatever reason here isn't able to hold the number of fans that want to see this type of game. I think that's one of those situations like, you know, these type of games, these big time games need to be held at places that reward, you know, both teams and allow for everybody that supports those teams to be able to go watch these two teams play. I mean, imagine, you know, a March Madness type atmosphere at, at you know, a Final Four type atmosphere at Memorial Stadium where you have the 2.30 game and the five, you know, five o'clock game on a Saturday for a regional championship. I think, you know, the, the amount of buzz and excitement that would bring to the area, bring to the city would be phenomenal. And again, it would be, give some sort of consolation here in, in Charlotte, which we're always assuming that our regional championships can be held here. Um, would, would, you know, give some sort of consolation since the daggum state championships are always in, in the freaking East, you know, give us something back here. And I think that would be a great way to do it. Sam. 
Turn your mic on. Look at him. Look at him. He's already losing the day, man. Turn your mic on, Sam. We might have to get Cam in here today. Turn your mic on, Sam. Okay. Oh. Sam, turn your mic on. Nobody can hear you. <laughs> oh, you turned me off the mic. Oh, no, I did not. You did. My bad. My bad. Here's the thing. I'm totally agreeing with you, Grace. That's the problem. I thought you were picking on me because I was agreeing with you. <laughs> I, I haven't had a home game in three years. That's what I was saying. Um, the deal is. <laughs> I mean, I've been playing a neutral site forever, but I think that if we did have a, a, you know, two games at Memorial Stadium, that would be phenomenal for everybody. I don't think these big colleges, I would love to have state championship games there, to be honest with you, not just regional championships, state championship games, because it's a it's big enough to hold a lot of people, but you don't feel diluted compared to like those big college stadiums. You go to these state championship games, the environment is terrible because – there's no way we're putting 50,000 fans in there for a state championship game. But you could pack 10,000 in Memorial Stadium. I think those are the type of things we need to get to and not go to these big colleges as well. Okay. All right. Um, last week, the Panthers traded two of their offensive weapons, main one being Christian McCaffrey. By the way, Grice, Shanahan better start using him more. But anyway, uh, are the Panthers better off tanking for the number one pick or should they continue to try to build a winning culture for whomever is the next coach? Sam, you first. Well, players, this is the thing. They are all professional athletes. And whenever they get the sense that, oh, you're tanking, they rise up. You're going to get the best. The, the key is, can they sustain that throughout the rest of the season? I think that Wilkes is doing a great job. If he can sustain that, he should stay the coach. And uh, you will still get good picks. It doesn't mean you have to win all the games going here on out, but you need to finish off strong, and you'll still get a great draft pick. It's never – have the Patriots ever tanked and it worked out for them? No. Patriots just do their due diligence, and they've been successful for all those years doesn't do any good for tanking because you might miss. The number one draft pick might not be the best quarterback. Um, I mean, Josh Allen, what pick did he go in back in the day? I don't think he was number one. You know, I mean, think about that. Like having number 11 pick might be the right pick. You you can't just all of a sudden switch on a culture um, next year. Like, okay, let's switch it up now and let's start competing. It has to be year-round. I think they did a great job of just saying, hey, we got a lot of draft picks for McCaffrey. Now let's win some football games. And I think you saw that rise up in those professional athletes. Oh, you think we're tanking? We'll show you differently. I, like, I, I, I'm protesting this question. I hate these, these kind of questions. You can tell a basketball enthusiast wrote this question. You don't tank <laughs> in the NFL. Like, I hate that crap. Like, you, what are you tanking for? One player is not going to change it. I don't care if you get – if Bryce Young turns out to be the freaking best quarterback, you you still could potentially go have a three- or four-win team. Trevor Lawrence is actually playing pretty doggone good, but because the Jags have so many other pieces they need to figure out, you're not turning into a 10- to 12-win team just off of one person in football. Mm -hmm. Basketball is completely different from that. And again, a lot of times, these first five to seven picks, the need is completely different. 
But another reason why I don't think they, they should is because you got somebody like a PJ Walker, who's a great story, who's showing you if I can win or I can perform well in these next five to 10 games, I could be a quarterback to go get a big payday. And if I don't start here, I'm going to go start for another QB needy team. So I just think the whole concept of tanking in football is just so just terrible to me. So I don't know. Grace. Basketball enthusiast. <laughs> oh, it is like that is. That is such a basketball thing to say. People don't take basketball like, enthusiasts. Uh, you hurt my no, you didn't hurt my feelings because you made me think of it from a football perspective. And like you said, one player doesn't change a football roster the same way one player a basketball game. You're exactly right. That's yeah. exactly so true. That I hadn't thought of it that way. Not that I agree with tanking anyway, but yeah, yeah, I hadn't yeah. thought of it one sport versus another. So Good answer, Bryce. I like that one. He just copied my answer. No, I didn't. I use I use better Good words. Answer. Good words. answer, Bryce. I use my Alex Bass words. You gotta, you gotta try that. All right, guys. Uh, the Charlotte 49ers um, had to fire their coach this week, and they 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 have a lot coming on their plate. You know, they're joining a new conference. Uh, they're moving up. They got to build. They got to add on to the stadium, which means they got they got to sell tickets. Mm-hmm. How can the Charlotte 49ers turn their football program around while at the same time moving up in competition, right? Yeah, and I know Cam's probably gonna be spamming our freaking group chat there in the back. I know y'all can't see it, but we're gonna see this as I'm answering. It's gonna go blue, blue, blue. So I'm sorry blocking. if I seem distracted. I'm blocking. Uh, the, the first thing to me that I, that I think they need to do is just dominate the area as far as recruiting. It's something that's continued to be said, but I, I'm sorry, t- people just struggle to do it. And I thought that Healy would start to do that in the beginning, but I think one of the things that he hasn't done has been to do that. You know, I, I compare and I look at John C. Smith and, and Coach Flowers coming in there with, you know, here in Charlotte. One of the first things he did is if we're going to be young, we're going to have young talent. You had the boy Newman from, you know, South Mac is already one of their key starting running backs there. UNC Charlotte has to do the same thing. If you can't get the people inside of your city and in your area to buy in, you're not going to get consistent talent to come here. Um, I I think another thing that they have to be able to do is really focus on hiring coaching talent here. And I think that's going to be one of the big things is putting all your resources in to bringing in a quality coach. I look at A&T, another area, another area program that has done a great job. The first time when A&T really turned the program up and beat UNC Charlotte not too long after was really opening up the checkbook to make sure they were bringing in a quality coach as they stole uh, Coach Broadway from Grambling. So, again, bringing in coaching talent, opening up the pocketbook. Because, again, they had they had Coach Houston from ECU here ready to go. And what happened? ECU paid more money, and he went and left there, and they had to go to their mm-hmm. next best option. So adding their coaching budget to make sure they're bringing in a quality coach. So, in then- other words, they need a football sugar daddy. <laughs> they need a football sugar daddy. So, in Gary Richmond terms, football sugar daddy, bring in Charlotte kids. Those are the two things that they need to be successful. Sam? <laughs> um, I think Grice is hitting on some things there that are, that are very true. Um, we have to win Charlotte. You know, people in the back say, well, they got a, a lot of people in Charlotte. No, we would know the names that they have. I'm not saying you're going to get Hollywood Smothers or things of that nature, but you have to start building those relationships with Hollywood Smothers. Say it doesn't work out with him in Oklahoma. The next school, when they transfer, why would he not come back to Charlotte? You see what I'm saying? Like, that guy loved me, you know? And I think that's going to come with a guy that has great relationships. Someone has just killed Charlotte 
with recruiting. I think it's not going to be a big name head coach that's going to do this. You know, you talk. I heard people talking about Dan Mullen doing different things like that. I don't want a big name guy. I don't want them to come to Charlotte and look at this. Oh, well, I'll just settle here for a second and think that it's okay. I want a guy that's up and coming. I want a, a great assistant coach that has been grinding in the Charlotte area that knows the coaches, knows the culture that we're around and been here multiple, multiple times. And I can name some guys. Gunnar Brewer, phenomenal um, recruiting in this area. He would be a great head coach. He would do phenomenal of keeping those relationships. And we might not hit the big guys, but they would come back and transfer a portal type things like that. That's how you build it. Charlotte, you don't have to go far outside of here in surrounding areas of Charlotte to build a great football program. Look at the guys that have come out of here and been great for Clemson. You know, other players, uh, Syracuse has got starting guys from Charlotte area, surrounding areas. Like think about the guys that are just slightly, just a little drop off, maybe not quite the measurables. You got to get those guys instead of stuff going to the Midwest. There's too many guys. I mean, they're they're recruiting guys in the Midwest, and then you're going into Florida, going in and getting guys. That going everybody in the whole country is going to Florida. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, you got to own Charlotte, and we have not done that. They did a great job of feeding us wings and and beer and building relationship with us and saying that hey, we're we're late on everybody. You know, we're gonna make sure we're right. That's such bull crap. No, go get it. Say I'm gonna offer him first. I see the talent. Recognize what you see. Go get it. Trust it. Don't act. Don't wait for Appalachian and and Army and all these other schools to to offer a kid. Be like, you know what? Let's get in the mix now. Be first and own it and win it. It's gonna take a younger guy that knows that. I'm not gonna say a younger guy, but a guy that's up and coming. Gunnar Brewer, um, Jay Bateman. Uh, another guy that might be the Campbell coach, Mike Minner might be a great one that's building some relationships. I just don't see Mike Minner enough necessarily. I don't know if he has those relationships, but he's done a good job recruiting this area. Okay. Now, and, and usually we have three, but it's such an interesting topic. We're going to add to it. And, and I think both of you touched on it a little bit. Is the idea that Charlotte um, – USC Charlotte is located here, make it harder for them to recruit local talent because we understand that most kids want to go away to college. Is that is that a is that I, something that deters their recruiting? Sam, your your I, turn first. Yeah, absolutely not. Kids want to come here. The problem is when Charlotte is the fifth school to offer a kid that's a FBS program, like. Say they have four or five offers and Charlotte is fifth or sixth. They don't have a prestigious enough program to be last. They were running the program like they're Clemson. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know what? We could be last. They can have 15 offers, but guess what? We're going to dangle that little Clemson offer and all of a sudden we could pull the guy over. It don't work that way. You got to be bold at being able to analyze who you want. Own Charlotte. Go see the talent. Be first. You know what? That kid ain't got no offers. That's a kid I want right there. He's special. Then he'll start getting more offers, probably because he's talented enough. But you have a guy has to recognize the talent and be able to go after him early and trust that aspect and build the relationship with those coaches. And don't be afraid to still communicate to the big, big name guys that are going to, you know, Notre Dame and all these things. Build those relationships, keep the relationship with the coaches. And if it doesn't work out, you win the transfer portal. You'll win games three to four years, and you have to, you know, empty the pockets and try to get. You know, a good coach to be able to do that here and stay here. Bryce. 
I'm I'm all with you know with Sam 100. It's not the location is not a deterrent. Just like with a school like a Georgia Tech in Atlanta or just you know certain schools, you have to have relatable people, relatable coaches that are able to go into the schools and hey, you have to be risky. You have to say hey, I'm willing to be first here. And I think that's a lot of the problems that you would see. And even I can point at you know some of the guys that you know some of the the, the guys that I was around. I mean, being at Hopewell with a guy like Julian Gray who made the Big 22. He got his UNC Charlotte offer probably 10 offers later. You know, mm. that wasn't the first guy. And again, the kid ran a 4-4 as a, as a rising junior. Like, what more do you need to see? He was at your camp in front of you, didn't have an offer at the time. You didn't offer and he proceeds to go to Carolina, Wake, Virginia Tech, and so forth and so on. Looking at Mallet Creek, I mean, you've got a guy like Michael Short we highlighted on Fresh Faces that has 20 offers. Will Healy was at, on our campus, was there looking at his practice and didn't offer that kid when he had no offers. I look now, being at, at Cox Mill, I've got two guys that are committed to Mercer. They're FCS programs. If you feel like you're above that, fine. But take your chances on guys who may very well outplay their commitment and go somewhere else. You know, I look at some of these schools, Griner, I mean, you know, the Rivers kid, like, those have got to be the places that you can go in and say, you know what, you may be better than this, you may be worse than this, whatever, what have you, but you need to choose here first. And I'm sure Cam's got a better take on it than all of us, but that has been the consistent problem that Griner talked about. Griner didn't drink the beer, y'all, just, just so you're aware. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. All right, Cameron's been waiting all day, all night to talk about this subject. I know it's, it's near and dear to his heart. I hope that the Charlotte fans heard from real coaches that are out actually dealing with the recruiting stuff. Bryce and Sam definitely hit some great points. Things I've been hearing all day. I've heard from a lot of guys that used to play around here that were upset that Charlotte did not recruit them. Some of them went on to play at a pretty decent level of football. But uh, Cameron, I'm going to put you on screen. We're going to put that first question back up. What should Charlotte do to turn their football program? It it starts with hiring the right guys. Um, yeah, I mean, it really starts with that. Um, I agree in some aspects of what Grace and Sam were hitting on as far as recruiting in your backyard. But I do have a roster here, and there's a plethora of guys. Mallory Creek, just tons of guys from the Charlotte area. And so I don't think it's just a recruiting issue. I think you have to get guys that – you know, be committed to turning the program around. I mean, I liked Will Healy a lot. I think he was a good relationship guy. And, I mean, he had – you know, he did offer guys like Dalen Smothers. He did – you know, he was in contact with them. That was half of our conversations is talking about just, you know, the relationships he was trying to build with these guys. I mean, you got Henry Rutledge from Charlotte Christian. Yes, he was a walk-on that just received a scholarship. But, I mean, turning it around starts with finding the right coaches, finding the right coordinators. You said exactly what we were talking about. You said Henry, that kid should have been offered from right from the get go. They could have lost him. They could have lost him. He was a talented enough player to get him. They often smothers after he's got that on ACC. And that's the problem. Like, yes, they're offered. You're not going to get him. Even the Charlotte. Uh, but what Bryce was saying, and I and Sam, and I agree fully. And I, Sam, I like your point of. Go find a guy that doesn't have any offers right now. Talk to get relationships with coaches, local coaches, and those coaches. Sam, I know you could tell a coach, honestly, who on your team has no offers, but you know can play at a certain level, be it a Power 5 or be it at uh, D2. And you could put them onto the to the players. It, it, I don't think the what they're getting is you got to get in first. You may not win, 
But if you establish that relationship, when things fall apart for them later, uh, which unfortunately is going to happen with some of them, they're going to have to go somewhere and they're going to remember. And that works. Like Sam said, being first, Chris Paul went to Wake Forest and he had offers everywhere by his junior year, but he said he went to Wake Forest because they offered him first. They offered him before Carolina, before State, before Duke. Now, two years later, here come the other three. Oh, come to our school. You, know, but we, no. you didn't think that of me when Wake Forest did. And that's that's a key right there, what Sam was mentioning. Yeah. Don't be afraid to go first. UNCC has had a history of feeling um, – Insecure about rejection. That's yeah. their problem. I've watched that when I was basketball like, oh, team, man. That's a great question. I don't want to take Cameron's. Yes, and give us your thoughts because I know you've been chomping at the bit, and I promise I'll let you go. So I I don't want to cut my own throat here, but at the same time, Charlotte fans, the fan base in general, has to realize that this is still a young program. I mean, we're ten years in, and we're not going to get the the best of the best coming out of the Charlotte area. It's just they're still going to go to, like Langston, you mentioned, I think it was yesterday, um, they're still going to go to the NC States, the Chapel Hills, the Dukes, the Wake Forest. But, I mean, like, I mean, we brought up the fact that, yeah, you establish these relationships and they'll come back. Nolan Gruel is a perfect example. He's a receiver converted to corner this year. He went to Wake Forest. He's come back to Charlotte now after transferring back, and you know he's having a lot of success on the field. So, it is about establishing those relationships, but Charlotte fans also have to be realistic in their expectations. Yeah, I agree. Alex. All right, real quick. Great point Gary made about Chris Paul and his recruiting. I could tell you all the stories behind the scenes on that. We don't have enough time to talk about some of the things that happened in that recruiting situation. But the other point, this is this Charlotte situation is akin to an Eastern North Carolina basketball situation back in the begin in the uh, 2005 2006 academic year when Ricky Stokes was hired at East Carolina as the men's basketball coach so this is the same kind of deal in terms of a uh, division 1 program but not a power 5 program so Ricky Stokes was hired at East Carolina in Greenville 25 miles from Kinston North Carolina and in the first whole cycle so the 2005 2006 cycle from from the summer to preseason workouts through the season back to get ready for recruiting again that whole first cycle not a single member of the ECU men's basketball coaching staff ever set foot in Kenston High School are you kidding me uh, it makes now, we're talking 0506 0506 there was an 8th grader in Kenston named Reggie Bullock he, tur- he turned out to be okay, by the way. Um, <laughs> now, you're not going to get Reggie Bullock. That's fine. But I could also run off of the list of several guys who played with Reggie Bullock, Dory Hines, who's now the head coach at Mount Olive, who was the uh, NCAA's assist-to-turnover ratio leader, leader for Division II when he played collegiately, Dory Hines. Or uh, Bo Ingram, who was Brandon Ingram's older brother, who was the ACC Player of the Year, graduated from Kinston in 2008. Those are just two examples right there. And you tell me that the ECU men's basketball coaching staff didn't set foot in Kinston High School in that first year? That, that's, that's what we have here. 
Yeah, I think the next Charlotte coach definitely has to have a better relationship with Coach Griner and Grice and all these local coaches. The one thing, I mean, Jalen Alexander says he's going to Alexander, Arkansas State. Is that what he said, guys, earlier? Yeah. That's it. Why not? Locked up. I mean, that's just, it. Why not? Locked I don't understand up. it. Even, even if he doesn't play quarterback, he's a great receiver, a safety. He is a he dog. He passes to Dickens. <laughs> Do you understand that? Hire like, Joe Cox. Hire Joe Cox. Gunnar Brewer is a great recruiter. Does Cam, let, last word on this. We got to move on. Cam, what? Gunnar Brewer is Just uh, if you want to win, you got to put the right coaches in place and then ultimately just have have more realis- realistic expectations. And if you want to win, you got to win continuously, and that way you'll get the best recruits. You don't just win one season and go to a bowl game lose that bowl game, and then expect to get the recruits. Absolutely. No, I get it. All right, so we're I, I very, we're one, very one, happy. One. It's time for the big star to get in it. You want to make this your last thought? It's your last no, thought. No, it's your no, show. I, it ain't going to beat out the other deal. I, I want to talk about what Gary was talking about earlier. Um, on October 12th, Charles Adams McCullough was approved to be called the Athletic Center at West Charlotte. I think this is a huge deal. Um, I'm very excited. The ribbon will be cutting. We don't know yet, but the date will be set probably by tomorrow. Um, the cool thing is I've really tried to take ownership of really understanding the history of West Charlotte. I think I needed to do a better job of that. And I just really appreciate, you know, a guy named Butch, Team Tim Gibbs. They uh, did something really special with me about a week and a half ago. They took me to Jack Martin's grave site mm-hmm. and really told me the history about Jack Martin. And Jack Martin actually brought in Charles McCullough as a defensive line coach, and he became the basketball coach. And so it's a lot of history that a lot of people didn't know. And I just really appreciated those guys that played for Jack Martin. And they told me a little bit about Charles as well. And uh, it blew my mind. I literally got teary eyed when I was at the grave site because the history of West Charlotte is beyond my own understanding. And I'm just proud to be at West Charlotte and I want to retire at West Charlotte. I mean that. And uh, it's just, I'm excited. So whenever you get an opportunity to come see the new gym, um, it will be Charles Adams McCullough Athletic Center. You know, when they cut the ribbon, come see the former state champions, and they're going to go on and try to win another state championship this year. Uh, the best uh, boys basketball coach I've ever seen or been around is uh, Charles McCullough. They went to 21, I think, straight regionals or won 20 mm-hmm. straight conference championships. One is, I might have them reversed, but, I mean, he had just a phenomenal run of, of excellence at, at that school. Tommy Driver's yeah. Ed, too, by the way. Hey, Langston, it's it's kind of funny. After we went through the naming process to get Vance turned into yeah. Chambers, a lot of the people that voted and supported it were West Charlotte graduates. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the school board approved it, then they started emailing, texting me. They said, all right, your next project is Coastal <laughs> Colors. It took way too long. I mean, he, he retired in ninety. He retired in ninety four from high yeah. school coaching. I mean, it should have been done, you know, shortly after. Leroy Holden wanted to also one of the best coaches I've ever seen. Had his name on the court before McCullough, and that just, I mean, they should have been at least around the same time. I'm glad it's happening now. I'm glad that people are kind of remembering Coach. And you know, we've done some tributes in the paper. We're super heavy. It's ten oh five. We're over two hours long. Dale has a special announcement for his Olympic fandom. If Olympic beats Marsh Park Friday, Drell's going to drink Reaper sauce at Buffalo Wings, Buffalo Wild Wings on Friday. Are you really? Or I might do the just do the Blazing Reaper challenge, which is ten of those wings. 
whichever. Oh my goodness! Just whoever you know. I, what I'm going to need is for for we need to put this out on Twitter. Link. Which 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 wild wings? It'll be the Buffalo Wild Wings here at uh, at still um, at Rivergate. Rivergate. This, okay. In the middle of a uh, Olympic uh, uh, area. Oh. Nice. All right, so we need we need Gary to come, so all the Gary. football players can come and treat yeah. Gary to a free bucket I'm of wings. Not eating them wings, I can tell you that much. <laughs> you can eat the you can eat the sweet wings, brother. All right, Dang. all right, yeah, we're, we're we're super heavy. I appreciate oh, man, a lot of people still watching. I Damn, appreciate all that. Twenty seventy y'all still staying with us. Uh, that is Sam Grounder. He's the head football coach of West Charlotte. He just said he wants to stay there until he retires. Sam is twenty seven. So he has another 30 years left of uh, coaching in West Charlotte. So we wish him well. Alex Bassett Contrary with all the big words. Mr. Desaris, I don't understand half of what you're saying, but it just sounds really good to me. Gary Richard, my friend. Dale Ross, one of the uh, historians of CMS, proud to have him. Jonathan Grice, the number two voice high school football in North Carolina. The get, the, go, the guru in training, Cameron Williams. I'm Langston Works, and we are talking preps. So, Sam, you need to learn about 